I told her she was spewing old propaganda. <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, December 5th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 258. This is No Agenda. Tracking the persistent jet contrails here at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California in the morning. I am the former Soviet spy known as Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley where it looks like the weather is turn- taking a turn for the worse. Now well, maybe not. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> All right. I'm not quite sure what that was. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't plan anything. I I I have to actually write stuff down if I want to. That was like a really bad zoo opening. Well, maybe not. The weather's taking a turn for the worst, everybody. R.A. Our opening is a bad zoo opening. Hey, in the morning to you, John. In the morning to you, Adam, and all ships at sea. And all boots on the ground and our human resources who are in the chat room right now as we do the show live at noagendachat.net. Charged up and ready to go exactly the way their government loves them because we're collecting body parts. Do you realize we probably spend more time with that little ditty on the one sailor who actually listens to this show and the two guys that happen to be in a trench somewhere? You know, I, I wouldn't be so cavalier about it. I have a feeling that we've got a lot of boots on the ground, and I think we have more ships at sea than you realize. Everyone in the, in the, in the Gulf of Aden is like, yo, yo, it's on. You can stop. You can stop. Get your fishing nets out. (laughs) The Stargate Stargate is opening. They're on again. (laughs) Here come the fish. Exactly. Somebody's got to restock the fish. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Everything's beeping here. So, uh, yeah. We have quite a few executive producers for today's show, so I want to get those out of the way so we can get to the meat of the show. Well, this is a good thing. Yeah, well, it is a good thing for us. Okay. Uh, so, first of all, we want to thank our old pal, the Sir, our uh, number one patron, as a matter of fact, uh, Stephen Pelsmachers from uh, Awans, Belgium. From where uh, in Belgium? I don't know. I thought Awans. it was from Antwerp. Oh, Awans? I, I That's what it says on this thing. Uh, Who knows? I mean, somebody's moaning about the PayPal being inaccurate with everything. But anyway, uh, Sir Pelsmachers gave uh, 61210. And he has a note that you're going to read part of, uh, which explains it. Okay. Sinterklaas kapoentje, leg wat in hun schoentje, <laughs> leg wat in hun laarsjes, want Adam en John zijn hele goede oh, baasjes. <laughs> so today is, uh, December 4th, is traditionally in Gitmo Nation Lowlands, the day when all children uh, put their boots uh, outside for the good Saint Nicholas to uh, drop presents <laughs> to steal their boots <laughs> on the USA. Ground. That's what would happen. Steal their boots off the ground. Uh, no, the uh, the good Saint Nicholas. Now, now this is actually kind of interesting because I, I think he's, it's today the fourth or the fifth. No, it's the fourth, right? So the fifth today is actually the fifth. Yesterday was the fourth. Is today the fifth? Well, then, yeah, I, then I screwed it all up, didn't I? It's today the fifth. It up? I said nobody. I said December fourth. It's December fifth. Oh, you mean at the opening of the show? Yes. Oh, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> Gee, what a surprise! So December fifth is traditionally the day when the kids put their boots on the ground outside, <laughs> and um, and then the good Saint Nick who rides a white horse and he arrives on a uh, steamship from Spain with his black peats. Which now has uh, become uh, incredibly politically incorrect. He no longer has black peats. I, I think they've they've written them out of the script. 
but they used to be just Black Pete's and uh, and these Pete's. What's a Black Pete? Well, he's a a, a black dude. They, 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 you got like the head Pete. His name is Pete, so they're called Pete's Black Pete's. And he got the 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 head Pete, and he um, and he's in charge of all the other Pete's. And they run around and they terrorize the children. So if uh, if you've been bad, then they hit you with sticks and th- sho- shove you in a burlap bag and take this you back. This is a terrible story. <laughs> this is what it is. <laughs> but it's uh, but it's it's a big party. It's a big. Oh my! Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, with all the kids out of the way, the the parents <laughs> go drinking. Yeah, it's a big drinking party for parents. Now you got it. So, but that's their version of Santa Claus because they don't really have a Santa Claus. We have the Sinterklaas who comes on the steamship from Spain with his black. Come, why is it coming from Spain? Because Spain used to rule all of the world. It's a throwback. It's crazy. It's totally crazy, believe me. And, of course, now we basically have Christmas in the lowlands. They probably got Santa Clauses walking around, too. And then they... Well, I, you know, my, the funniest thing with you when you were uh, discussing that sort of thing is if you go down to uh, Rio uh, in December and uh, you're floating around Brazil, which is the middle... Of, this is like the hottest time of the year. It is boiling. It's like 100 degrees. And there's all these Santa Clauses. <laughs> With the reindeer and the and well, that, the well that, that is kind of like Los Angeles is weird that way too, and and it turns out we're in one of those streets where we have two neighbors at war. With oh, the, house with, wars with the light stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so we saw it happen. We saw because of course this is our first Christmas here, and we saw one side like wow, this guy's got some lights going, and then on the other side, and now I, I said to Mickey yesterday, I said I think our house is perfect. For um, I think we can do a sleigh, and uh, <laughs> and it went reindeer on the roof, and uh, oh, oh, Mickey says I'm totally fucking up the synth story. Well, what am I doing wrong? Oh, she just texted me. I, I, she's listening. Yeah, of course she's listening. She's in the car. She's on the way to a meeting. A meeting? Yeah. She works Sunday hard. for God's sake. Yeah, she works hard, man. But uh, all right, so I I guess I uh, I took all the romance out of the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could add. We can tell the story next week when we get closer to Christmas. Or well, I guess to be farther away from December second, which is I guess when, or the third or the fifth. Or, well, I don't no, know. The well, fifth, the, the fifth, and then uh, I don't know, man. I'm from America. We always thought it was. We- and by the way, this Sinterklaas, he, he's a, so he, he also wears like a red robe. He's got a robe. Yeah. Oh yeah, Pedo. Hey kids. <laughs> he's got a pointy hat, and he's got a, a big stick. A big staff. Hey, I got a stick for you. <laughs> I got a big staff for you, kids. But he's very thin. He's not fat like Santa Claus. He's very. He's thin. a skinny guy. That's more like it. If he has weight, he has pant legs taped to you know just the bottom of some short pants taped to his legs. <laughs> it's, but it's uh, it's cute. And so actually, and so what the family tradition is, and this is kind of nice. Is you um, uh, you all draw so the big family comes together usually not just um, f- household family and then you'll draw lots before like a, a couple weeks before you'll draw a name out of the hat and then you get the name on a piece of paper and then you have to go buy something for that person and turn it into a surprise uh, with a um, with a poem which is about that a poem. Person. 
but it, but but you don't ever really say, "Oh, I, this is from me." So you basically yeah, this is what you do. This is an office. Uh, this has been transposed into an American tradition of doing that in the office, where they don't want everybody buying everybody else right, gifts. So right, you do this right, right. grab bag, thing. very very, and Dutch. somebody invariably gets a box of candies that they don't want. Well, know, well, the the funny thing is, is uh, there's always some joker who puts together a huge box. Right, and then you get this huge box as a present, and then you have to go through like wood chips and molasses, well, box after and box, molasses, and all kinds of weird crap in there. It's hilarious. And then at the bottom, there's like a, a like a gift certificate. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, uh, I'm sure all the uh, listeners in Gitmo Nation Lowlands are very disappointed with my explanation. However, in the true uh, spirit of the Sinterklaas faced and giving, um, Sir Stephen Pelsmachers has uh, supported the show with $612.60, and that is in honor of December 6, 210, written European style, uh, which is also simultaneously the first down payment on a damehood for his godchild, Ruby. Wow, good. And Stephen, as far as I'm concerned, you are Sinterklaas, my friend. He could be. He, who knows? I mean, it, th- we've done, the, we've run the numbers. He is without a doubt the uh, the top supporter of the show. He is the George Soros of No Agenda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he's never ever asked us to do anything for him ever. I don't think. Uh, no, he's never. He's, he hasn't even asked for a de-douching. I'm gonna, she's long beyond needing one. Yeah, let me hand him a... He needs a massive de-douche. Oops, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> You've been de-douched. And while I'm at that was a, that was a, That did nothing. You douched, they gave a douche and a de-douche. Here's a de-douche. Here's a, there, there's a de-douche. And I'm going to hand out some karma to him at the same time. You've got karma. Well, talking about douchebags... Uh-oh. Uh, our next uh, executive... We have two... Thank, these thank you, two, sir, Sir Stephen, by the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Goes without saying. Uh, uh, Taylor, Stewart, by the way, and he would be a standalone executive producer along with Taylor Stewart, who gave us four two four two four from Cal uh, Calabasas, California, and he says he's been a douchebag for way too long. Despite good intentions, he's not gone around. He's finally he loves the show. His girlfriend uh, love the and him love the combination of lightheartedness and on and on. But he he says he needs karma for his girlfriend. She had a horrific run in with the police. Oh no! In Los Angeles, and we all know that they're the, one of the worst police departments around. <laughs> it was. It is no, they're terrible. They're one of the worst police departments around. And uh, where do you live again, Adam? <laughs> It was scary as hell and is a perfect story to demonstrate the extent to which the public servants have been brainwashed to believe we law-abiding citizens are the enemy. What happened? What happened? What happened? I want to tell the whole story after the case is won. He's apparently in, in court here. We're talking about some big money. This is typical of these municipalities. They, 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 people run rampant. They get sued. They don't care because it's the taxpayer's money. There would be some huge settlement, and it's too bad. Nobody gets fired. Nobody gets called on the carpet. Nobody cares because it's taxpayers. You know, the taxpayers eat it, and they don't care because they can't keep track of this stuff. Well, what happened? And, he didn't say he won't tell us in, for a while, but he's going to make his donation in two parts. Uh, the 120.31 is significant to the count case, the court case. You can probably look it up. And the 30393, when added to the first donation, equals 42424. That, uh, I don't know. We'll find out So later. do we need to do a douchebag for the Los no, Angeles he needs police a, he, No, he, no, 
He needs a karma thing for his girlfriend. Oh, okay. There you go. Karma coming at you. You've got karma. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to look up uh, what uh, 120.31 means. Wow. Jeez. Anyway, so that's one of our listeners that's uh, got his girlfriend's in trouble or got in trouble and suing. Good. Good. Good for her. Mark Kulin. uh, Now we got a couple of associate executive producers. Mark Kulin. I think it's Kulin. Kulin. Mark Kulin. 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 In Van Hoosen, <laughs> in Uther, Nederland. Fenhausen. Fenhausen. Yeah, just say it already. Fenhausen. <coughs> Fenhausen, the Netherlands. Uh, another Dutchman. 258, he's in the 258 Club. We have three this week. Oh, wow. Hello, That's AC right. and John. See, let me, uh, let me your Sinterklaas from Gitmo Lowlands on the fifth. Let me be your Sinterklaas. Uh, your life changers, indeed. Keep it up. Longtime producer here, dollar a show, and the top of monthly five bucks subscription. So we're putting him in. The, uh, is he an associate executive and in the two fifty eight club? Is that how we run this? Yeah, he's gonna be an associate associate producer, associate executive producer, and he's in the two fifty eight club. Yeah, okay. And there's only three members in the two fifty eight club, and there will only be three members ever. Uh, he, by the way, uh, he has something genetically unmodified seeds. Go to seedcare.com. Charles Jordan uh, from Sir, Milwaukee. Sir Charles, I believe. Sir Charles. I'm sorry, Sir Charles. Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 258. Uh, happy birthday to Dame Carol. We'll get to that later. Got uh, your, He's the world-famous Mai Tais waiting at uh, foundationbar.com. And by the way, there is a, uh, a, a – I don't want to tell people how to make drinks, but uh, <laughs> there is a weird uh, – oak. Okali How, I think is the name of it. It's called Okali How. It is a, um, a weird liqueur made from tea leaves, but not the tea that you drink leaves. It's a T-I, uh, which is some unedible thing. And it's available. It's, it's a Hawaiian beverage that, you, that will knock your head off if you actually drank it. And, and it's used as the secret ingredient in a lot of Mai Tais. So take a look for a, it's, it's got a weird label. It's called Okali How. I can send you a picture if you want. I think you should think about uh, adding this uh, little tidbit. To another your another tip from your friends at No Agenda for getting hammered. Uh, Two fifty eight from Captain Underpants in Lake Forest, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> it's his daughter's favorite series of books. Finally, just see how. F- Wait a minute. There's, there's a book series called Captain Underpants. Apparently, uh. for little girls, I don't know. I'm putting the finishing touches on a new bomb detector I'll be selling to the TSA. It uses body cavity, <laughs> anus, and sinus holography to extract crystal clear imagery of bombs in the body. Nice. Hey, we're in. We're, we're totally in. <laughs> Let's know if we want to invest. Yeah. <laughs> He's currently negotiating with the current TSA director, John Pistoli, to represent <laughs> us in Congress. We won't even need him to resign from his current position. We'll just provide him with a separate cell phone so he can call his own office from outside of the building. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, Captain Underpants has been drinking the old Coley yeah, he's, he's all over that. <laughs> and uh, that's actually it for today's executive and associate executive producers. They all came in at a high number. Okay. A, a couple of uh, brief PR mentions before we move on. I would like to uh, thank Kirk from uh, producer Kirk from Dayton, Tennessee, now PR associate who uh, has been able to get the Media Assassin logo on WikiLeaks for about an hour. Somehow he, <laughs> he sent a screenshot. I guess he got some ads rotating. 
I didn't know they did ads. But, uh, oh, it was the Facebook version. Okay. Facebook uh, show. The Facebook something version of uh, WikiLeaks or whatever. Uh, so that was, uh, it was good. He sent a screenshot, and I, I think that certainly in these days that works. Along those lines, our friend from Vajazzling.com has placed, uh, has done outstanding work and has created uh, banners for the No Agenda show in the stylings of Jimmy Wales. And uh, they are currently running on noagendaip.com. Uh, they're great, by the way. Uh, you've seen them, John? Yeah. Yeah, I want to use one on my blog. Yeah, it's like we're there for a personal appeal. <laughs> like, And we're going to get laid out of it, too. I guarantee you. Yeah. Uh, I got a nice picture from Sir uh, Sir Randy Asher. The He has a box filled with the boarding pass lanyards. They are in, so uh, I guess the official boarding passes will be uh, coming, will be forthcoming uh, soon, which is good. And by the way, we have the two 10-10-10 coins. Eric now has them, and he will be shipping them out to everyone who ordered one. And we also are going to make good on our own dime. Uh, we the- are? Okay, what are we making good? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, somehow. Yeah, say it again. We're going to, there's about 20 or 30 people that did not get the original coin. Oh, which of course no longer exists. Well, yes, right, right, well, well, that's, I hate (sighs) to, it's possible that we can have a few more made. Okay. Because we're asking them, Eric is doing this, by the way, and should thank him profusely. Thank you, Eric. He's been asking the people what they want, if they want a refund, which, you know, is, is not, you know, is. Do you want a refund? I mean, you got to do something. Or do you want to, do you still want the coin? And almost everybody still wants the coin because this coin is like so. Yeah, so we're going to awesome. maybe have another run. They still keep it within the, the total number of coins. It's not, in other words, you're not going to run more coins. Right. It's just the coins these guys ordered they didn't get. We're going to have to have them made. Right. Hmm. Uh, special thanks to PR associate Sean Masak who uh, wrote a very nice article about us on examiner.com. I don't know if you saw that, John. Nope. Uh, Title, No Agenda Makes Podcasting Relevant and Profitable. Uh, I don't know about the last part. (laughs) Well, (laughs) he did say, uh, he does talk about our value for value proposition in the piece, which is really nice. And uh, let's see, I thought one line was really nice here. Uh, under, was it, uh, here it is. Uh, Curran Dvorak may be the first professional podcasters to make a living. It should have been, uh, in quotes there, or in parentheses, although a very sparse one. <laughs> sparse. <laughs> Scratch. <laughs> doing a show that is, tr- this is nice, doing a show that is truly independent, insightful, and listener supported. What he really, he does get into the whole, the whole fact that, um, you know, we there's no one pulling yanking our chain because we don't take money from uh, commercial entities. So I thought that was very nice. Um, then uh, finally, and by the way, people should realize that it does make a difference. Oh, I mean, hello. I mean, it really makes a huge difference. I mean, there's certain things you just can't do when you're getting money from somebody. Precisely, because you're their slave. Yeah. <laughs> And then I'd like to say hi and thanks to Sigma, producer Sigma, uh, who has created a bat signal for Linux machines. 
And uh, I will place a link to his GitHub project in the show notes at noagendashow.com. The app uses HTTPS to connect to Twitter, so it's secure in that sense and should be stable, no bugs. Uh, And he's a uh, full-time college student, uh, finals are near, so he says, hey, it's a simplistic little thing, but it works. So essentially, when I send out the bat signal, now everyone running uh, Ubuntu or any other form of of Linux will uh, also receive the bat signal on their... uh, on their Linux device, which is cool. I like that. It's uh, the, the more people hook into this, the better, I think. So we uh, we highly appreciate that. And, of course, thanks to our executive producer, standalone executive producer for this episode, uh, Sir Stephen Pelsmachers, uh, Taylor Stewart, Sir Charles Jordan, and Cap Munderpants, this episode's exe- associate executive producer. I'm sorry, uh, Taylor. Uh, I've messed it up. St- Taylor Stewart. Did I get, did I get it all right? Yeah, I did. They're also uh, in the 258 Club. And Mark Colon, there we go. That's the one I was missing. Uh, of course, this is an official credit, uh, and you can put it anywhere. Official credits are accepted, with the only difference being, unlike Hollywood, we will actually vouch for you when you call up, and you won't have to just talk to our secretary. Everybody else out there, you can support us by doing this simple thing, propagating our formula. Is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. And that's it for today's show. Yeah, really. We'll be back again next week. <laughs> oh, no, not really. I got plenty of stuff for today. It was a good week. Yeah. I, I, I had, uh, you know, Kevin the Blade, the intern that I've been able to hire, thanks to the support of people on the show, um, has been uh, working on the Big App Show, so I had a lot of time to do stuff, and I think it's going to pay off. I think. Well, I didn't get that much accomplished. I mean, I ended up watching a lot of C-SPAN. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a got a, followed a very good uh, exposition on the Arab lobby, which brought up to. I, unfortunately, the guy was gave a long hour speech. I only got a couple of clips that are worth. I mean, I could condense down, but it 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 just confirmed our normal beliefs that we have here on this show as part of our. Uh, uh, I guess our, our generalized theses about certain people, like uh, Bill Clinton, for example. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, I don't know if you want to get into that now or later. If you have something that's really hot, I mean, I, I do one thing. I do want to mention at the top of the show, which is the fact that Ron Paul came out in support of WikiLeaks, saying that the truth is the way things should. People should be oriented toward the truth, and he can't understand why everybody's upset about this. Well, the, and, there is one thing I want to say about with that. with Huckabee and Palin, by the way, I want to mention everybody out there that when surveys are done with the original Tea Party group and they said who should be president, they all said Ron Paul, and then nobody ever heard of Palin having anything to do with the Tea Party. Now she's taken it over. Hijacked. And she's the one that thinks that the poor guy, uh, Assange, should be tr- tried for treason. He's not even an American. So, first of all, um, and I think uh, Congressman Paul is absolutely right. However, what I took a little bit of offense towards is the way the message has been changed in blogs and articles is Ron Paul takes a stand and supports Julian Assange. That is not exactly what he did. He did not say Assange is a good guy. He said the truth is always good to get out there. He said something very, very different. Uh, but it's uh, but every single email I received about it is oh you know uh, the, the titles literally are let me see if I can find one of these titles 
literally is uh, no, that's interesting. Ron Paul supports Julian Assange, backs him. Yeah, that's up. not right. That's true. He was more or less supporting the a concept. Yes, exactly, exactly. I don't think he's ever met Julian Assange. No, I. You know, um, well, let's just stay on this for just a second, if you don't mind, the Ministry of Truth, because I, I, um, it's it's a it's a very difficult topic for our listening group because the whole idea of someone taking government documents putting them out there um leaking the documents uh, and uh, there's obviously some interesting stuff in there not much that i don't think we've discussed or at least uh presumed on this program and has turned out to be pretty much confirmed from these leaks uh, but when we come down on uh, WikiLeaks and Julius Assange and say, well, you know, the guy is clearly being, is, is a front for either CIA or military industrial complex. People get uh, confused. And I want to see if I can put this into some context. And I actually have some audio that may help a little bit. And the first thing is when, when we say that someone is a front, it, I don't think it's actually like Julian Assange meets on the park bench uh, with the guy with the newspaper handing him his his, uh, you know. It, Although it, it could be, <laughs> it, could it, be. it could be, but it's it's more like Sim City, okay. So there are people who play the the real game of Sim City or Farmville. Maybe that's an even better example for you. And uh, you know, you 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 plant stuff, you put your sprouts in, you do your thing, and then people do things as behaviors and the model of Sim City. You know, uh, says, well, you may have too many small businesses, therefore your economy won't grow fast enough. You need some big businesses and you need to borrow money. I mean, and, they, and they play this and they play people and they do it in a number of ways. And I was listening to an interview with uh, Julian Assange. He was interviewed by The Economist. And this was an on-camera interview. Of course, the interview was completely chopped up and has been edited. So, you know, who the hell knows? That's always, you got to be very careful with those things. But um, this was right after the first round of leaks, uh, the Iraq videos and all the documents uh, about, uh, you know, 19,000 more people, uh, servicemen and women being killed uh, in foreign wars than was reported and so what they do with the economists is they have this uh, tea time, and they sit down. They have tea with someone. This is their it's their, it's their little uh, cute uh, cutesy way of interviewing. Oh, we say it's time to sit down and have some tea. And I want you to listen very very carefully. I have three clips here, uh, and it really shows you how it works and what WikiLeaks is all about. And then when you after you've heard this, you'll start realizing that it it is all is not what it seems to be. Um, and you can easily be hoodwinked by what you think is a a purely uh, a good move by a group who really stands for freedom of press, etc. So the first thing, and you, this is an amazing piece of audio, and I'm sure his uh, his mission has not changed uh, in the past uh, few months since the first release. Um, listen to what he says about how they. Uh, how these documents are actually leaked, and words do matter in this. How would you characterize the response to the publication, and um, has it had the impact that you anticipated? We can look at two kinds of response. We can look at the media response and then the response by governments and, and other people. I think it's still a bit too early to look at the second in detail. It's still coming out. But for the media response, our initial publishing group of guys... Now, did you hear what he just said? 
Boy, it's hard to understand him. He says, I, our, our initial media publishing group, he's speaking of the mainstream media who actually, and you'll find this out in a moment, who are actually the true recipients of the leaks. He speaks of them as his editorial, and he, by the way, is the editor. Everything's about edit, edit, edit. But he says the, the media group, his media group, that's the ones that, that does he ref, that in this case he's referring to the like the Guardian. Guardian. The yeah, yeah, he'll actually say it. Listen to this. Listen and listen to how proud he is of his media group. In response, our initial publishing group of Guardian, New York Times, and the Spiegel uh, pushed very strongly on this. So our initial media group pushed very strongly on this. Given extensive editorial space, so Guardian did 14 pages in the paper, the Spiegel 17 pages, and of course we had the cover of New York Times as well. So it's a strong initial acceptance by our group uh, of the importance of this material. Subsequently, looking at Google News today, I see there are over 6,000 stories uh, on this topic. So he's very proud of his initial publishing group. And I just think that the words matter in this one. You know, it's like, okay, so... Is that the, what does that mean? Initial publishing group is that the group that you uh, selected? Is it the group that you've been in cahoots with? And he actually answers it when he talks about what their true mission is. Their true mission now. This is Julia Assange, and I think this is really important. Where did you get this? Again, this is from an Economist interview where they I did, did the whole lead in. Where were you? Were you like yeah, yeah, yeah? Nails? No, but where, I mean, where was it? I never saw any. I don't see audio on the Economist website. Oh, well, I have the link in the show notes, noagendashow.com. You can look at it yourself. It's about uh, twelve, about 10 minutes, and it's, uh, it's edited, but it's, uh, this is directly from him. So listen to this. I understand that when you first launched WikiLeaks, um, or when it, when it first began, that the idea was that you'd put stuff out there and it would be raw material for people to, uh, to comment on, and bloggers would seize upon it because they didn't have you know, th- their own people on the ground in, yes. in Afghanistan or Baghdad, but that that didn't work, um, and that you've had to do this other thing instead of taking your material and releasing it to mainstream media organizations. Do you hear this? Yeah, I'm listening. Um, yes. uh, this is a, probably the clearest example of that. So we still need people to go through it and do the sifting and make a story out of this. You can't just do dumping of data online. That's right. That's right. I mean, that, that has been our experience. We see actually that... Um, the professional press has a nose for what a story will be. Now, this, this goes against everything I ever thought WikiLeaks was trying to propagate. So what, what I'm understanding now, and he continues in a moment, is we tried just doing raw data dumps and have people sift through it and come up with stuff. That didn't work, apparently. So they, so they changed course, and they decided to leak it to the press, to their publishing group... Because they seem to have a nose for what a story will be. And who is this guy working for? He is, he's, he's admitting literally that he, that he works with the press to come up with the story. The general public becomes involved once there is a story, once there is you know, an, an issue of the day, and then can come forward and help mine the material. But they're not incentivized to do that until they see what the story is. And um, our goal is, of course not to just have people reading documents. Our goal is uh, to achieve political reforms. Ah, political reform. They're a political group. Am am I just hearing this the wrong way, John? Well, when he says our goal is to achieve political reforms... That sounds to uh, me like like he's a political group. 
Yeah. Okay. We the release of suppressed information. And we make a promise to the sources who come to us. Firstly, we'll protect them through legal, political and technical means. Secondly, we'll try and get the greatest possible impact for their material. Now you talk about your goal being political reform. Um, critics say that releasing this sort of information helps the Taliban, that the mullahs are you know, the winners here and Which so critics? forth. This is a criticism of what you're doing online. Columnists yeah, are saying yeah, this, yeah, some yeah. journalists are saying this. All right, so have to be careful, because yeah. are we talking about Nobel Prize winners or are we talking about right-wing bloggers? Well, whoever they are... So, <laughs> so, so now he's like, you know, oh, who said that? You know, some right-wing blogger or a Nobel Prize winner? It, it, very confusing to me. But it all becomes very, very clear when it turns out that they actually edit these documents. They edit them, then give them to the mainstream Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's well-known fact. Well, yeah, but then he, he says something else that's really weird. The White House that um, this is uh, a threat to security, and then other analysts are saying that actually there's nothing that new here, and that if you've been following this at all, that uh, you won't be surprised by by this. There's just a lot more detail. What do you think about that? No, well, this is just typical nonsense from analysts who can't actually be bothered to read the material. How do they know there's nothing new there? 91,000 reports. Did they read 91,000 reports? Uh, even our journalistic team only read in detail around 2,000 reports. And the stories that you're seeing come from that. We just see uh, the Canadian press... So they don't actually read all the reports, is, is what I'm hearing there. It, 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 not, not, but here, which contradicts the idea that they uh, that they blue line stuff. Well, here it is. A political, historical, or ethical significance, and was not self-authored. Um, provided it meets that criteria, it will then go through a harm minimization process. Oh, harmonization process. Oh, it goes through a harmonization <laughs> process. Self-authored. Um, provided it meets that criteria, it will then go through a harm minimization process to make sure that the outcome of it is not to cause harm, but is in fact likely uh, to cause a good effect. Once that is done, we publish the entire material. I don't know. I, I found this very disturbing that uh, they edit it, they take out stuff that may be harmful to people. What's the point? And, and then they hand it off to mainstream media. I, I just don't, I don't understand how it's supposed to work. It doesn't sound like this is a big dump of data. It just doesn't. And then, you know, you, you, you get these reports coming out, um, which was actually kind of funny. Uh, this report hit the wires today. Uh, U.S. considered arrested, arresting noted CIA asset Ahmed Wali Karzai for drug running. And, of course, we've been talking about Karzai's brother for a long time, that he's, uh, that he's the biggest drug runner. He owns the Toyota dealership and the plant and all that stuff. But then you read the actual cable that this came from. It doesn't say that at all. It just doesn't. It just says, you know, well, um, we should sanction people who might be involved in drug running like Karzai by not taking pictures with him with officials. Like, please. That's it? That's, that, that's, that's arresting noted CIA asset? I mean, it, it, what you're reading in the, in the mainstream media is not necessarily a direct translation of what is in these supposed WikiLeaks. It's just not. And you can look at it. I put all the, all the source material, all the links in the show notes. And by the way, I should remind students out there that can, they should use our show notes to write papers. Yeah, and, and a paper should be written about this. It, it, and, and then you know, everyone's bitching about the government this, the government that. But meanwhile, it is the commercial companies like Amazon 
who are trying to shut these guys down. The government's not shutting them down. It's commercial companies that you deal with and buy from every single day. Where's the outrage against that? So I'm uh, I'm concerned about one inter- one aspect of the last clip, and I'm try- trying to make the association as I was doing some typing. Uh, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the the concept of harmonization is an intelligence agency concept. Thank you. And uh, this, which just brings it, because I don't think anyone would use that word out of the blue. Um, I agree. I mean, have you ever used it? Um, uh, I tried to harmonize Mickey the other day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't work but, out too uh, well. <laughs> uh, you know, I still I'm sticking with our thesis that there's a uh, he's either a uh, front man or a, an agent or something. And by the, and it might not even be see, it could be M I six. And the only reason I say that. It's because he sounds like a guy that he doesn't sound like an Australian. I mean, he still has the basic Australian accent, but he's yeah. picking up that British kind of mumbling style of speech uh, that right. is very unusual in Australia. I mean, you don't, I, maybe the Australian listeners, we have quite a few of them when we wanted to talk about that in a little while, uh, can, can disagree with me on this. But, it, but this kind of hard-to-understand mumbling beneath your breath, bub, 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 uh, is extremely British, and uh, yeah. which m- m- makes me wonder. I mean, how is, is it? You know, because we always say everything CIA, CIA, CIA could not be doing half of anything, because MI6 is extremely active, and uh, as is the IS. What is it? ISSI, the uh, Pakistani uh, Secret Service. ISSI. ISSI. Uh, well, and, and, and the Indian secret, the, the intelligence agency in India is extremely active, more so than the Pakistanis, and they don't get talked up at all. And then there's the KGB, or whoever they're now called. They, they got a new name. Now, do you know the background of, uh, of Assange? You know, Assange, apparently, what I've been able to read, and there's actually, I put a link into the, oh, my mic is a little weird today. I put a link into the Complete Idiot's Guide to WikiLeaks' latest document dump, which is kind of an interesting document. Um, so uh, apparently this guy was raised in a cult-like atmosphere where, do you hear that? I'm like, I'm crapping out here. Hold on. In like some cult-like family. Oh, one of them. Yeah. Where his, uh, his stepfather. In Northern Sonoma County. Oh, no. Hello? Yeah, I lost you. Yeah. Something's very wrong. Hold on. What the fuck? Hello? Now I can barely hear you. Yeah. I, I, Sounds like you're... Uh, I'm breaking up, John. I'm breaking up. <laughs> I'm breaking up. I'm over Hawaii. Uh, hello? hello? Uh, yeah, you, you have a loose wire. That's not a Skype breakup. You may need a new cable. No, it's not a ca- It's something else. Hmm. Okay, well, make a note. <laughs> Sounds like a post-production issue coming up. No, uh, 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 it sounds like uh, dust in the in the meter somewhere. Okay, we'll now see. you're okay. Yeah, we'll see if it if it works now. Um, no, this uh, this cult scratch in the pot. Yeah, this uh, this cult place. Uh, the, his stepfather would give LSD to the kids. And then lock him in a dark room. <laughs> yeah, you haven't heard about this? 
Oh no, yeah. this is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like some. Hey, can I recommend people out there listening to the show? You do not give kids LSD and <laughs> lock them in a dark room. It's not a good policy, I tell you. It's not the thing you want to do. No, this is a very well-known um, story from Australia. Well, I oh, I, well, it wasn't that well-known to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah this so is, was he one of the kids locked in a dark room? Apparently. And then wow. you and then you see old old pictures of these kids, and they all have like these weird. Um, uh, fishbowl like haircuts and they're all which he kind of still has you know and and i don't know i don't know much but uh locking your kids in a dark room after giving them lsd could disrupt them later in life uh anyway i actually tweeted this yesterday he keeps insisting there's no 9-11 conspiracy 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 the 9-11 truth movement is just a distraction so these Who are says all this assange what has he got to do with it? I'm just tell, I'm just saying. Of course, all the stuff we really want to know about, there's not not a single cable about at all. Cable, cable. <laughs> this this turns out to be a uh, basically the uh, a closed internet that the government uses. Per yeah, no, they they shut it down too. By the way. Yeah. Well, they did because that was one of the main things Robert Gates uh, said. Is like, oh well, we can't share information. Let's shut it all down. <laughs> yeah. After all the work they went through to yeah. share information. Yeah. After, if you're going to share information, what difference does it make? These cables, you know, all it says to me is that these people should be more circumspect when they do these memos. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you think everything's wide open, I mean, anyone who's ever been in a court case and has had discovery knows that, you know, anything you write down is a part of the record. It's going to be found out by lawyers. Uh, and it's just going to be stumbled upon. It's going to be exposed to everyone. And this happens with the Microsoft cases over the years. I've, you know, all kinds of documents were uncovered that Microsoft would rather have not had seen the light of day, but they got out, including them banning me, by the way, from something. And the chat room says, by the way, they heard him say harm minimization and not harmonization. They say harm minimization. That's what the chat room heard. Harm minimization. Yeah, instead of... Uh, okay, well, that could be. That could be. I'll give you that. Well, let, let's move on then. Let, let me move on to another, uh, another member of the Shadow Puppet Theater, which popped up uh, uh, this week, completely just fly, flies under the radar. Who would you say in any news organization is the most important person, uh, John? In, in, in a, the news organization, like in, I would like say the executive producer is actually in the news organization. Well, like, like at, a, at, a, at like ABC, uh, they just uh, named a new president of news. Now, would you say yeah, that would be a good one? Yeah. So, would you say that the president of uh, of the news staff is kind of the guy who determines what happens? Well, he'd be the guy who would tell the editor in chief what to do, and you know, uh, yeah, he'd be like he'd be overseeing everything. He wouldn't be doing day to day, but he'd be coming. He'd be bringing people into the office when things went astray. Right. So uh, news comes out, and of course, no one heard about this. That uh, Ann Sweeney, who's the uh, the the group president of uh, Disney ABC Television, uh, named Ben Sherwood the new president of ABC News. I'm like. Well, that's interesting because having worked at a big media organization, the president is kind of the guy, you know, he's they. When someone says, uh, Adam, uh, listen, they uh, really don't like what you're doing uh, right now. They'd like you to change uh, a little bit and just don't say that because they don't like it, right? So I look into uh, Ben Sherwood, who is uh, my age, born February 12th, 1964. He's uh, an American author, journalist, entrepreneur. 
And uh, here's what's kind of interesting. Ben Sherwood, born in Los Angeles, California, son of Dorothy and Richard Sherwood. His mom is a homemaker, an arts volunteer. His father, a special assistant... Uh, oh no! His father, his late father, was a prominent lawyer, civic leader, and patron of the arts. His older sister, Dr. Elizabeth Sherwood Randall, is special assistant to President Barack Obama and senior director of European Affairs on the National Security Council. <laughs> like, how does that work? Just a coincidence. I think not. Coincidence? I think not. And if you think for one minute that that is just a coincidence, you're out of your skull. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, right. special, people have to get to get it together. It is not a coincidence. What is special assistant? What kind of t- is, is she? His he's sis- a, I mean, she's probably a go. She's probably one of the go betweens that works between the the National Security uh, Council. She, is NSC? Uh, yeah, NSC. Okay, so she's that she's a special assistant would be somebody. I'm guessing somebody could write me could correct me, but generally speaking, it would be somebody. I think that's a go between. So she'd be taking the documents from the CIA and the NSA back and forth to the NSC meetings. But he also, um, is, I could find out for sure. He's also, uh, I think he set this thing up called the Survivors Club, which is, uh, I don't know, is this for people who survived like horrible? It's not like one of those food things, is it? No, I think it's like addictions and stuff like that. It's, um, let me see. Or survive crime, survive uh, molestation, survive something like any of those things could be I, I, a possibility. I think, uh, here it is. I think it's a book. January 2009, his first nonfiction book, The Survivor's Club, The Secrets and Science That, science? Hmm. that Could Save Your Life, was published uh, by Grand this Central is, Publishing. This is for survivors, survivor lists. Yeah, this, the Survivor Club explores human survival in all its forms. It was a Time, New York Times bestseller. Yeah, this is a survivalist book. This, this is nuts. Yeah, this, I think Glenn Beck talks about this book a lot, actually. Well, well, you know, one of the reasons all the right-wing uh, talkers are now talking about survivalism is because they the new sponsors that have come down the road, uh, you know, in the old, you know, like it's always been a well-known fact that the only reason that uh, that talk radio is exists. The way it oh, exists. it's because of the gold sellers and well, and, yeah, and, well, and first seed it was banks, vitamin yeah, vitamin H G H and all that. Now it became gold, and then it's moved on to these food programs. Yeah. You take a bunch of paranoid people and you put them on this food pro. Oh, you buy this kit and you'll have food for the next two years. Storable then, food, storable food. And you can store the food forever, and you won't have to worry when the bomb hits or when the you know, when the mm-hmm. when the, whatever bad happens happens. Of course, nothing ever comes of it. By the way, my tip to people out there: there there are mailing lists available. You can get the mailing list because you want to maybe want to sell. To uh, like Mormons, for example, have all keep one years of food, one year which were the food in their basements by some edict, and then there you have these guys. So you rent these two mailing lists, and if all hell breaks loose, you just grab the mailing list and you just check off. You go find these people and shoot them and steal their food. Hey, hey mean, man, give me some that, food. That would be the the, the smart money. Sick concept, but it would work. Anyway, so uh, I just thought it was very interesting. Uh, with very little research done, by the way. All I had to do is look at Jimmy Wales' face, and I knew that this guy was a complete insider with his sister being special assistant to the president and on the National Security Council. Hello. Okay, so now, so we can assume ABC News is now in the bag. Yeah, totally. 
Yes, well, we already knew NBC News is in the bag because they're owned by GE. Mm-hmm, or were. I, that's no longer true, right? But that's, well, I don't, is that deal done? I think, the, is, I think the Comcast deal is done. That's part of what this whole net neutrality thing is about, is they have to, like, fi- figure well, that, that out. Whatever the case is, you know, the people are still in place, so right, they're still right. firing people. Right. Uh, CBS is the, is, the, is the kind of the one up in the air. I mean, I'm sure there's a connection, but I haven't found one. So you might get real news from them. I don't know. You're not getting real news from anybody. <laughs> You're barely Sorry. getting real news from us. What am I thinking? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so uh, you know, you just got you just got to be aware of who's doing what and who's saying what and how things are being released and how they're being talked about and how they're being uh, changed in front of your very it brings eyes. Brings me to Clinton. Okay, yeah, Clinton. What you got? So this guy, uh, uh, where's his name? Oh, nuts! I didn't bring the right pad with me. Conway. Uh, the guy wrote. Here, look up the book. It's called the the Arab Lobby. And uh, this guy was on C-SPAN yakking away about his book, and he had he made a couple of interesting points. And one of them we've talked about on this show. We know it to be a fact, and it's and it's come up in the conversation a lot when Hillary was running for president. A lot of people analyzed. They said, "Look, the problem Hillary's going to have is the Clinton Library. The thing has got like three, four hundred million dollars. Nobody knows where this money came from." Well, we also know that uh, they took zero dollars from admissions in uh, two thousand nine. Right, they didn't get ten cents, but they got you know <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So, huh. so play the clip. Coy way of corrupting America. This is about a minute and a half, but it really kind of tells us everything we need to know. And I have a little post analysis of this commentary right coming up. The Arab lobby has done, and this is particularly true of the Saudis, is to take a top-down approach to lobbying as opposed to a bottom-up. That is, the pro-Israel community has always prided itself on being a grassroots movement, to mobilize the masses, to influence the members of Congress and the other decision-makers. The Saudis and the Arab lobby in general take just the opposite approach because they don't have a means to reach the grassroots, they don't have the numbers, they don't have the public support. They try to go directly to the decision-makers, influence the few who have power over the many. And so one of the reasons why the pro-Israel lobby is very transparent and we know a lot about what they do is because you see them out there lobbying Congress in a very visible way and that the records are all public, whereas the Arab lobby does most of its work behind the scenes, that you have Saudi uh, government officials, diplomats, the ambassador, the king in particular, going directly to the White House to talk to the president or talking to the secretary of state. And often we don't know that these uh, talks are going on. You had the Prince, uh, Prince Bandar, the Saudi ambassador for more than 20 years who used to play racquetball and tennis with Colin Powell and David Jones and the top decision makers in our government. And it was something that the average person would never know about. Do you think he'd let him win, John? I think that was his uh, his plan. I wonder about that. That was his plan. <laughs> hey, Bandar, man, you can't beat me. That's no good. You got to lose, bitch. Otherwise, I won't do anything for you. <laughs> That's a good question. Now, Bandar uh, also was quite candid in explaining the whole Saudi approach to influencing American policy. He said, basically, what we want to do is take care of people when they leave office, because if you do that, you'd be surprised how nice they are to you when they are in office. 
So they have the reputation over the years of taking very good care of former government officials who end up in very cushy consulting jobs with the Saudis who work in the defense industry, who work in various think tanks, and end up making a very comfortable living uh, thanks in large part to the fact that they were very uh, pro-Saudi while they were in the government. And this is a very bipartisan approach by the Saudis, by the way. They do the same thing with every president. They give money to their presidential libraries. They pre- support ah. the first lady's causes. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes they do it before the president. Uh, it becomes the president. Sometimes it's after. In the hope of showing uh, government uh, leaders, our presidents even, that there is a good reason for them to be pro-Saudi. And one of my favorite examples was the case of uh, Bill Clinton, where you had at one point this obscure southern governor went to the Saudis and said, I'd like you to fund a Middle East study center at the University of Arkansas. <laughs> the Saudis probably looked at him and thought, where's Arkansas? Where do I write the, Where do I send the check to? And told him, no. Then, uh, not too long afterwards, this uh, obscure southern governor suddenly is the Democratic candidate for president. And what do you know? Suddenly, the University of Arkansas gets $3.5 million for Middle East (laughs) Studies. Then, that obscure governor is elected president of the United States, of course. And shortly after he's inaugurated, the University of Arkansas miraculously gets a check for $20 million for the study of the Middle East. So... This is one of the ways that the Arab lobby operates and has been very successful. Right. So I'm thinking. <laughs> really? Is that how it works? Hmm. Huh. Really? Yeah, that's why. So, so, so this, by the way, is the worst form of corruption in this country. Uh, I mean, you, you essentially, and once the word gets out, well, once you get out of office, you're going to be set for life. You know, that's why we have all of a sudden, you know, presidents going in worth $2 million and coming out worth a half a billion. How does that happen? Oh, they had a lot of donors to the Clinton Library or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm thinking that with Hillary, and the fact of the matter is they've got so much money from the Saudis by now that Hillary really, if anybody did some bookkeeping, she's never going to become president well, because you, this... You know, that's why she, she just said, she said, uh, this is going to be my last public office. She was uh, over there. Where the hell was she? Uh... Well, she, yeah, but she said that, but you know that she's not saying that to the Saudis. No, the, the no, fact is no. She, you never bite the hand the that feeds game. you. <laughs> Knowing that they're going to be able to, and I believe Clinton is, you know, is something of a shyster, and he knows that that he can, you know, he's basically gouging them for more money. Well, you know, you know, Hillary could become the next president. You know, wouldn't? Hey, you know, you might you might want to consider this. uh, You know, you might want to throw uh, some more money in the library. Yeah, you never know what uh, what could happen there. My foundation needs a few bucks. Yeah. so, you know, so she's going to stay in the game in some way, shape, or form because they're basically soaking these guys. But at the same time, this is like the worst kind of corruption for public officials. And this guy goes on and on with all kinds of other examples. I mean, it's just a, it's just an, you know, a very interesting book. It should be on our book club reading list. The guy's name is Michael Bard. The book is called The Arab Lobby. And uh, it's just a very corrupt uh, situation. There's a couple other things that they're doing which are a little more disturbing. Uh, you might want to play. I got two more clips. Uh-huh. 
this out of the way. You might want to play the Saudi-funded schools, which is kind of interesting. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, I can tie right into this. Of even greater concern, I think, is that they are trying to spread some of these values that they have in their own educational system into our education system. For example, in one school, there was a map on the wall of the Middle East that was missing just one country. Can you guess which one? <laughs> Israel. And they had a uh, textbook that taught that the Jews were conspiring against Islam. And in their 12th grade textbook, it said that on the day of judgment, the trees will speak to the Muslims and say, O oh Muslim, O oh servant of God, the Jews are hiding here behind me. Come and kill them. <laughs> And it's not just about Jews. They also quote from another part of the Quran in which it said, the apes are the people of the Sabbath, the Jews are swine, the unbelievers of Jesus' table, the Christians. Jews are apes, Christians are pigs. These are some of the teachings that are very common in Saudi textbooks. They're finding their way into the United States, and that particular uh, school that I'm talking about is not a madrasa in uh, Pakistan or a Taliban school in Afghanistan. It's actually a Saudi-funded school in Fairfax, Virginia. Oh, wait a minute. Is that the American University? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't look. He never says. Well, it has oh, to be wow. Well, well, this ties into something else. I didn't know if you were going to bring it up, but uh, I did some research on the American University and why. And they were based, they just moved to 555 Pennsylvania Avenue, but they were based in, uh, uh, in uh, Virginia. And uh, the reason why I looked it up is because you said that George Clooney was on, uh, what was he on, 60 Minutes? No. No, he was on, I think it was 2020. 2020, the, uh, with his dad, right? Yeah. And uh, you texted me, you said, and I, I wasn't at home, so I couldn't take a look at it. You said, hey, you know, Clooney's dad looks like a total spook. And, uh, and we kind of went back and forth for a few, t- it was like our only contact uh, in between shows. And uh, we're like, hey, you know, that's kind of interesting. No, people rarely talk about his dad. They're always talking about uh, Rosemary, which is his aunt. And um, so I look up his dad. And uh, he just um, uh, he just received a uh, uh, he's now on the board, I believe, of Newseum. Now, do Ooh, you the Newseum, the, yeah, the Newseum. So I, I'm like, what is this Newseum thing? So the Newseum is a part of the American University, and um, the Newseum is a museum of news. It's it's truly the uh, the uh, the temple of the Ministry of Truth. And it's uh, it's completely funded by American University and something called freedomforum.org. Have you ever heard of the Freedom Forum? Yeah, actually I have. By the way, I think the school that he's talking about is a is a, like a K through 12 school in Fairfax according to uh most of the literature. It's a private Islamic school. Okay, well, I think that the point that I'm that I want to make here is that in the United States, the school that you go to, when I say school, I'm talking about uh university really determines your future amongst uh, certainly amongst the elite and if you look at the american university john i mean have you ever just taken a small gander at the american university and what i mean this is a a university that has a billion dollar in endowments a billion dollars and then you've got to kind of look at you know who's been funding this so uh in 1986 
they uh, started building the sports and uh, convocation center, financed by uh, Adnan Khashoggi, a fine Saudi trustee, trustee of the American University. You, know, of course, have heard the name Khashoggi. Oh, yeah. He's an arms dealer. Right. He's a known arms dealer. Um, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you start to look at all the people that uh, are involved and have been to the School of Communication, which is a part of the American University, and this is really what uh, what Clooney's dad is now. You know, he's like a, a big a bigwig over there, and you start to understand how easy it is for uh, messages to get put into the media because it's all the alumni. Listen to this list of people who have um, attended the American University uh, School of Communication uh, from government. Well, I don't. I don't even do government because that that's too easy. Um, but let's look at uh, some senators represent. No, why don't we look at some people in the media? Okay. Yeah, go. Neil Cavuto, David huh. David Gregory, who is now very influential on Meet the Press. Um, interestingly enough, Alex Albrecht of Dignation. Oh, that's interesting. Uh huh. Uh huh. Star Jones, Barry Levinson, uh, just—I mean, I put all the links in the show notes. And then you look—you look at uh, you know—you look at the speakers. I mean, every single president has spoken there. You've got uh, the list is endless of senators and representatives who have attended American University. I mean, this is the hub. And then you look at FreedomForum.org, who is apparently funding a lot of. Uh, essentially the news portion, the museum and the American uh, University and the School of Communications, and this Freedom Forum is completely run and owned by Gannett. Completely, from beginning to end, which of course owns USA Today, they uh, own uh, tons of newspapers, Gannett uh, advertising, and they're not a, a 501c3, but uh, and so they don't publish numbers. But they have given over three quarters of a billion dollars to the school. I mean, it's it's this is where my heart just sinks. I'm like, well, there's no way we can fight this. It's like no, of course not. Every everyone's completely in everybody's pocket. Yeah, everyone's in the bag. Everyone's in the bag, and then you get Bernie Sanders, uh, who uh, who reports on. Uh, I wasn't it wasn't Bernie Sanders. I got a different report here about, other, you know, Senator Kerry owns stock in uh, L3 communications who do the body scanners. I mean, it's just fucking rampant. It's ev- everywhere you turn, every single thing you look at, there's some kind of money flowing from one guy to the other. And the Saudis are absolutely right. That's, that's the best way to do it. Go straight to the guys who want the money. You put money in their campaign fund. And we're talking like two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars to the, pop. Yeah. If, if, from. And it, I'm speechless. I'm literally speechless, and I and I actually get a little a little dismayed. It's like <laughs> there's no way we can ever we can we can't fight this. You can't fight that. And so it's it's no wonder that you know Clooney gets like roped into doing this stuff, and and he gets pushed around, and uh, and then we got to go do some thing about uh, Darfur. In Sudan, eh, get to get George over there. You can really sell it, and it goes straight through all the family connections. We truly have our own version of dynasties here, and they all run through universities. 
That's well, you know, Eisenhower, when he said you, we have to be wary of the military-industrial complex, a lot of people don't realize it's very well documented, that yeah, originally yeah. in the speech, and he thought better of it, was we have to be aware of the military-industrial-academic complex. Oh, did he really say that? Did he say academic? You no, know, he never said that. That was in the written speech oh, that he was really? going to say. Oh, really? I didn't he know that. He pulled academic out at the last second, thinking, oh. well, maybe I shouldn't say that because I'm going to get, you know... You know, there's lots of reasons it was politically correct thing to, to do. But in fact, it was military industrial academic complex. Wow. Now, that's news to me. But it makes so much sense because I just I just start looking at this stuff and I see all these names. I'm like, oh, well, forget about it. And, 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 <laughs> forget about it. Yeah, and, 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 and you make a great name like freedomforum.org. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll take a look at their numbers. You know, their, their net... Uh, their balance sheet—they are worth over a billion dollars, and 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 the top about us top line. Uh, we have nothing to do with the Gannett Publishing Empire, except that it was founded by him. The everyone in it who's running it is former Gannett. <laughs> Every everyone is from Gannett. The whole thing is is a setup. It's like, huh? And you know, these are all the people who go to the Bilderberg conference and don't report on it. We, you know where the true agenda is laid out, and that's how it works. It's back to my Sim City example. You just got to have enough people with enough money flowing left and right, and then you can you can actually determine the uh, agenda. You can actually do it. Well, we have no agenda. Uh, uh, um, oh, you're breaking up again with that connection. Uh, uh, okay, there we go. It's a got it. Yeah, I got to replace. Uh, what do you think it is? Uh, it appears to be a, 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 a what? If it's broken, I can't. Can I'm down. I can't get up. <laughs> Hold on. Ah, ah wiggling things. You might be better off. Well, it's it's. There's, Put your pants on. There's like dust in something, and uh, I don't know. It's annoying. All right. So I have a third clip. Okay. Uh, which is just this is a little this changes the topic a little bit, but he talks about how uh, the Saudis are actually you know they bitch and moan about the Israelis or Israel constantly, but he says yeah. their real concern is Iran. So play the Saudi nuke clip. And the other Gulf states are petrified of the Iranians, much more than the Israelis in many ways because they're a lot closer, and the Iranians make no. Uh, pretense about their designs on parts of the Gulf. In fact, they occupy one of the islands, I believe, owned by Bahrain. They're constantly uh, uh, having uh, border disputes. And so the Saudis are uh, scared to death of the Iranians. But the Saudis also are very scared of uh, how they are dealt with. That if they don't think the United States will take action against the Iranians, then they will likely do one of two things. And actually, they've already done both. And that is to try to buy off the Iranians, that they've gone and had meetings with Iran in the past uh, few years. Uh, to try to appease them. And at the same time, they have signed uh, nuclear cooperation agreements and they are likely to pursue a nuclear weapon. In fact, one of the biggest dangers, maybe you'll want to talk about the Iranian issue more generally, but one of the biggest dangers of the Iranian issue isn't Iran getting the bomb, but the fact that if they get the bomb, all the other Arab states are going to want it to protect themselves from Iran and Saudis uh, first among them. 
Wow. Is it possible for... So, uh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. That that does kind of uh, back up what uh, at least some of the media is reporting about the WikiLeaks cables. I downloaded yeah. that whole archive, and it's like you can't open it. Is there some trick to opening the archive? There's something about the whole thing is fishy. I couldn't even download it. I got, I got, no, I got the torrent. Message. I got the torrent. I was able to download it. because you know, oh, I, I never I got the torrent. It said the torrent couldn't be had. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Torrents always, we're too busy. I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait. The architecture of torrents is the busier you are, the better it the is. The better they work. Well, I got the torrent within like seconds. Got- that was no problem. But then it's like in this weird format. It's not a zip file. I mean, there must be some way to open it or something. No, somebody will know. Yeah. Oh, someone's so anyway, yeah. So they, 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 the, the thing he talks about the fact that the Saudis have always are really big. I mean, they're the number one financiers of all terrorism. Yeah. That's what, and he says yeah, that they do exactly. these veiled threats. He says he says it's possible that you know that fact that everybody was a Saudi in the nine eleven uh, situation uh-huh. that the Saudis were literally be, not just behind it in a in a kind of a oddball way, but actually behind it, thinking that they're there because they do this is if you don't do what they want because after all they've given you hundreds of millions of dollars for whatever your library or whatever you're doing. Right. Right, right. Oh, really, son? Look, I, let, I, I let you win at, uh, at racquetball, and now you do this? Oh, okay, son. We'll show you what we can do. So uh, the Saudis are bad actors, uh, generally speaking, in this regard. Right. And by the way, that's not the people of Saudi Arabia. It's the, the No, elites. it's the royal family. It's the people, the of course, yeah. who knows what would happen the people took over. And they, they, you know, they're, they're asking for nothing but trouble. I mean, they've, they've created this, this offshoot Wahhabism in the, uh, amongst the, their Muslim population, which is extremely you know, rigid. It's, a, it's a, like many of the precepts are like, you know, you don't want to own anything that's expensive. <laughs> right. Because that's bad. So, you know, they try to keep the people like, oh, I, I, you have a painting? No, no, no. You don't want to own a painting. You don't want to have anything. It's just pretentious. Um, so, they, you know, they get the people in some situation. But it, but it's so strict and rigid that they, people obviously see what the royal family is doing. And they're spending like crazy. They got private jets. They don't wear the, uh, you know, the babushka all the time. And, you know, so they one of these days it's going to be a mess over there. Apparently the file is stored in 7-zip format, which uh, I've not heard seven of. 7-zip? Seven 7-zip. Seven you familiar with that? Nope. No. Okay. Well, at least I... I guess I can figure it out now. Sure, you can figure it out. Yeah, because I, I got time. I, I, you know, I read all this stuff. Like, Yeah, you let us know what you find. Yeah, Because like, apparently, like, according to Assange, you know, he releases all this stuff and nobody gives a crap. Right. I do. I, I love it. If, if it. But, of course, it may be... Uh, Months. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so all this money rolling around uh, through the uh, School of Communication, the Saudis into uh, Capitol Hill... And uh, meanwhile, uh, oh, uh, by the way, I might want to point out George Soros just did a generous donation of $1.8 million to uh, our national treasure, NPR, who gladly took the money, of course. And he actually stipulated it was to hire 100 journalists. I wonder if he handed the list. And here they are. And here's the journalist you might want to consider. Um, more, uh, more fine, which, of course, no one's up in arms about. Uh, so besides Amazon shutting off your beloved WikiLeaks, PayPal is now you know refusing to pass on money. So uh, how long before we get screwed, John? How long before uh, you know PayPal shuts us off? We're still under the radar. Yeah, I but mean, the, if we had the kind of uh, profile that WikiLeaks had, 
for one thing, we'd have we'd get so much money right off the bat that we probably could coast. But <laughs> we'd, be, uh, we'd be coasting, mother, just coasting no, along. There's no coasting going on at the moment. <laughs> no. As a reminder, I want to ma- mention to people. In fact, we should probably discuss that. I think we're at the point where we need mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. people who donated. Mm-hmm. Um, the the do- donation uh, address is dvorak.org slash na, channel dvorak.com slash na, or check out the noagendashow.com where there's a link. And we have a few donors uh, that helped us out this week for this week's show, including... Um, Stephen Bow of Clear Lake, Wisconsin, who gave us $150 and said he's a longtime supporter of Minuteman plus $5 a month subscriber, 150 donation in honor of JCD's amateur radio licensing. Hey, breaker, breaker, good buddy. That's CB. I know. I'm going to get mine too now. It, well, it says right here, there's more. You gave us $150. Where that came from, if you get yours, Adam. Oh, I'm there, man. I'm, I'm going to do it. I am totally going to get it. Now, with I this license that you got, this is like level one. What can you do? Can you actually like, can you can you turn up the heater? Can you blast yeah, can out some watts? Bit, How I many can, watts I, can you do? How many watts? I think one of the bands I can do 1,500 if I wanted to. Okay. But most but, of these. But what are you going to be flowing around 50? But, <laughs> <laughs> this is, hey, I had to mention something. Yeah. It's like expensive to get. Yeah, I know. To get, <laughs> to get a thousand watt uh, transmitter is not turn, like something I could just find on the street. Turn up your heater, good buddy. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, but but is this all you need or do you have to go for, I mean, is this the, the, the base No, what level? you want to do, you want to move up to the general because that gives you all the, almost all the ham frequencies. You can use almost all of them. And, and that includes the, the those long wave radio waves that go around the world. But can you do the, uh, the 802.11? end thing now no you can't no see this is one of the things that you get your get your license and we'll talk about we'll do a show dedicated because get more people involved because i think that the uh the government is kind of suppressing the ham movement generally speaking yeah, whereas I it, think, it's it's our it's our true backstop it's the real backstop yeah, it's that we the real have. deal it's very important and i the, the reason i kind of got involved is because as, as a friend of mine uh says i'm paranoid <laughs> but it's no, it wasn't for that. It was the, it's a good hobby and it's something I want to learn about and something I want to be able to do on, you know, in all sorts of different ways. But I also see uh, opportunities to uh, complain. And as anyone knows me, I'm a complainer and I think there's things to complain about. And I think a lot of it has to do with the government. And I think they, they're, they're short sheeting the uh, ham people, generally speaking. A lot of them do complain, but they, you know, they have different. You and, I, sing, you and I single-handedly could, uh, could bring complain. back... Complain. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could just sit there and complain. <laughs> a uh, KLNG uh, Lima November <laughs> Golf. I, I'm pissed off. How about you? Uh, over. Actually, saying pissed off is against the law. Oh, <laughs> there's rules. Oh, I, don't yeah. like it. I don't like it that much. All of it. You can't say pissed off on the ham, on the ham band? So. Uh, hello, LNG. I'm uh, ist pay off a... No, that's not well. That oh no no, I'm sorry. We have the. I got my Roger beep on. We'll talk about the details later. But yeah, you should get it. Just the getting the first license is rather easy. I'm not. You know, it's when you get the general. Crankyhams.com is a suggestion from the chat room. There's a lot of online tests that people can take, and they can you know you can bring yourself up to speed. Let's let's move on. We have a lot more New World Order to. Borislav Marinov, Sir Marinov, to you. Yes. From Aliso Viejo, California, has a uh, a birthday coming up. One, two, three, six, nine. Uh, got his knighthood two months back. Got a lot of karma. 
Oh. Now I need some good karma. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is the good kind. You've got karma. Actually, uh, that's it for his son. Because the Kaiser Permanente canceled his surgery because Cobra takes a while to show that he has coverage. I hope no one takes his spot till Tuesday, and hopefully the documents don't get lost between Cobra and the Kaiser. Uh, by the way, my last name is pronounced Marinoff. I think I said that. Mm-hmm. Like Marino. Marino. Marinoff? Marinoff. Mar- okay, Marinoff. Mar- Marinoff, yeah. Uh, don't pronounce it Mary. Yeah, no. yeah. Don't do what you just did, basically. Whatever. Uh, PS one two three six nine is my birthday. I was hoping to get that donation on my birthday, but PayPal messed me up. This guy's got some knees yeah. karma. Speaking of uh, of karma, for just a minute, producer Craig, who is the inventor of the quad niner donation meme, manager of No Agenda PR, and a college friend of Martha Quinn. Uh, he said, uh, "Look, I was executive producer for episode two hundred and fifty. I requested some karma to help expand my business." Uh, when I requested, I was hoping just to land a new client. Uh, that didn't happen, so I thought, karma, well, that's BS. But since then, the following unexpected developments have happened in my business. One, I'm involved in a probable new business partnership that could be huge for 2011. I landed two new clients for 2011, equivalent to about 50% of my 2010 income. Two previous clients called out of the blue for new work. A recent client who ended a four-month project may turn into a major ongoing client in 2011. The lesson, karma works, so donate now, all you douchebags. Rest assured, once my new client fee checks start rolling in, my path to knighthood checks will subsequently be rolling your way. Uh, Meanwhile, I have a new donation meme. Uh, He says, look, karma should not be cheap. You shouldn't be handing out karma left and right. Two, according to the the karmic debt uh, at dcause.com, there are four karmic debt numbers. The numbers are 13, 14, 16, and 19. If you add up the karmic debt numbers, you get $62. So you should not be handing out karma unless someone donates the minimum of $62. Sounds reasonable. I think it's very reasonable. I mean, we are, he's right. We're pretty easy on the karma. Yeah, well, you got the button. <laughs> okay, if it's not 62 or more, no karma. That's my new rule. Uh, Rudy at Upstart Ventures wants to give a call out, uh, a niner, 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 dot, niner, niner call out. Rudy at Upstart Ventures, niner, niner. No, wait, wait, stop. It's for his stepfather, Max Zocco. Max Zocco, niner, 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 from Rudy at Upstart Ventures. There you go. (laughs) Uh, and I think there's a birthday involved. We'll get to that later. Yeah. And then your buddy, Schnorra Steen. Stain. Stain. Who is uh, Gitmo Nation North Pole? Yeah, Gitmo Nation North Pole. He is. He he's at the North Pole. Yeah, dude. you got the pictures. You never sent them to me. Yeah, North I did. Pole. I sent you the picture. I actually, say, I sent you the pictures of him with his snowmobiles and his rifle on his back. The we guy, have to get go there. The guy is the living the life, and he says there's a rule of thumb: never snowmobile further than you'd like to walk home. Which I thought was kind of kind of good. He says, I've, "I'd be going in a circle." So I've learned the hard way. A small circle around the house. It sucks pushing the snowmobile with a rifle strapped to your back. Okay, Snorin and his wife up there. I think all they do is just have sex and ride snowmobiles. I don't. You know, think, uh, eighty kilometers an hour is the maximum speed allowed for snowmobile outside our village. I've done at least eighty-one. Ha! Yeah, good Keep job. Up the great work. He once has a birthday call out to his father. By the way, I've. Uh, snowmobiled in northern finland and what's interesting about those speed limits is that they have like it's like a small freeway for snowmobiles and there are cops on snowmobiles with red lights and sirens <laughs> positioned along the way behind signs it's unbelievable <laughs> all right moving along daniel ronde in uh, 
and uh, in your neck in of the woods. Schede. Oh man, Netherlands. This was six, six, th- six, this six, was six. this was actually a uh, a request from some of our uh, supporters from the Netherlands. You know, in the uh, in the Second World War, if they if they wanted to see if someone was a German spy, they made them say the following things: Scheveningen, Enschede, and there was one more that I can't remember now. So if if you couldn't say that properly, then you were clearly not Dutch. Scheveningen, Enschede. Yeah, well, you could have been an American, but they think you're a German spy. They'd shoot you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anonymous uh, in uh, Sweden uh, gave us sixty-four bucks. Uh, don't even have to mention the note. He's so anonymous. Okay, I'm sorry, I mentioned it. Uh, Justin Burley in Rescue California. Powerly, I think it is. It could be. Uh, 55, 55 to my geology 300 class. The teacher just devoted a whole month to global warming. A whole month. So I asked her about biodiversity in front of the class, and she didn't even know what it was. Oh, wait. I told her, <laughs> I told her she was spewing old propaganda. <laughs> she was pissed. <laughs> he wants a climate gate jingle. Oh, um, well, the new one is the biodiversité. I don't even know if I have the climate gate jingle. The gate, the gate, the climate yeah, gate. To the gate, to the gate, to the climate gate. I think it's just, I think it's just, yep. Sorry? Give him one of the last karmas that we're going to get for under $62. Okay. You've got karma. Sir Howard Hill, uh, double nickels on a dime from Akron, Ohio. Uh, he, before he slips from night to douchebag, he says. Well, you can't. I mean, you're not you, really. You now I can get a spiffy Minuteman patch. I also did not scribble down the email address of the 101010 10, 10 coins. That's uh, shill at noagendanation.com. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Sweeney, Saskatoon, the Paris of Canada. Double nickels on the dime. And then we have some knighthood layaways for Tristan Lennon, Travis Wynn from... And Tristan, by the way, some Wagga Wagga. Travis Lynn from Hemet and uh, Mike Westerfield. Also uh, 50 from uh, Wesley Ball, Sherman Oaks, California, uh, in the spirit of the C-SPAN segments. And uh, Judy Schwartz from Boehm, Texas. And finally, Ryan... Bones and Mark Vaughn from Malvern, uh, Pennsylvania, and Austintown, Ohio. It's your birthday, birthday. Oh, no All right, got a couple of them uh, for today. First of all, make good birthday for Bob Majors, who uh, had his birthday on the 2nd of December. Uh, happy birthday there, uh, Bob. Uh, Sir Charles Jordan says happy birthday to his wife, Dame Carol Jordan. Uh, also, this past uh, 2nd of December, uh, Sir Charles Jordan himself yesterday. Rudy, uh, as we discussed earlier, says happy birthday to his uh, stepfather, Max Zucco, with a niner, 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 niner shout out. Snorterstein to his dad, Anonymous, and Borislav Mar- uh, M- Marinov. <laughs> Uh, turned 47 on the 3rd. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. And please remember to keep supporting this show at uh, Dvorak.org slash NA, uh, channeldvorak.com slash NA, or go to noagendashow.com and click on one of the uh, many donation links. Um, also, keep propagating the formula. The No Agenda Shots at noagendashots.com is great. Uh, there's a couple new uh, initiatives on the way that uh, I just want to take a look at before we start promoting them. But uh, 
Uh, I will also want to re-mention the noagendastickers.com. Mm-hmm. Please put stickers up at the toll booths of your local bridges. Right. We don't get enough of that. So, um... Two, I, got, I got three things, four things, really. So one, uh, I'm putting in the show notes a uh, link to uh, the Food Safety Act, uh, S-510, because yeah. you know, we, we talked about it yesterday, uh, uh, last week, and you said, well I, well, I thought it was all the FDA. Dude, if you just if you, if you open it up in, like, uh, in a PDF reader and search for Homeland Security, it, every, every single paragraph says the, uh, the Secretary of Agriculture... And Department of Homeland Security. It's like they're married now. They are one. They the are Homeland Security. I was looking at listening to old clips. And in fact, I have a couple of old clips I want to play because one of one or two of them are quite interesting. You, you know, you go back and you hear some of this stuff a, a year later and it's like, oh. But the, I have a clip that uh, I, didn't, I didn't recapture, but it, it mentions that Homeland Security, you know what the size of the, the active people in the field that are actually doing law enforcement? 300,000. It's the same as the U.S. Marine Corps. Well, isn't that what Obama promised? Didn't he promise we would have Yeah, that's a, what I'm thinking. Obama promised a, 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 you know, a secret police or a domestic police, uh, a, government a secu- police. I, I think the quote is a security force as large as our uh, armed Military. forces. And yeah. the TSA... Is is quite possibly the new brown shirts. They're certainly yeah, dumb enough. Quite possibly, they are the new brown shirts. They're just, you know, nobody's complaining about it. Of course, you know, we haven't seen them start to kill people, although they're, you know, molesting them. When they start handing out guns to the TSA, the badges were first. When they start handing out guns, then you know we're really in trouble. Yeah, the badges are bad enough because they're not really law enforcement people. Uh, the police departments around the country. And, you know, this is another reason why that nullification book is so important. We, these states have got to show some backbone because they're just letting the federal government run roughshod over them. And, then, you know, essentially it's, 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 it's a disservice to the, to the public of your states to ha- let this continue. I mean, the only safe states now are just, a, you know, a few like Wyoming. You know, there was a um, – the president met with uh – the Council of Governors. Remember, uh, I, I read, I found that executive order where he put together the Council of Governors, and this it's like it's not just a drinking club, okay? This is uh, it's it's something that we don't quite understand. Uh, a, a lot of the conspiracy groups online, of which I'm a member of many, <laughs> said, uh, you know, oh, well, this is it, you know, martial law is coming. So they met with the president. There's actually video of him uh, and Biden, you know, talking to him. But um, governor-elect, because I guess they all go into office at the beginning of the year, Bill Haslam, and uh, where is he of? Where is Haslam from? I can't find it. Um, He uh, made a statement. Oh, I guess he's from Tennessee. He made a statement to the Tennessean, which I I would say is a a fine publication. And he said, well, it it was a very interesting day. Um, he said uh, there were many presentations, uh, amongst them Secretary of Health and Human Services, Kathleen Sebelius, who uh, we're not a big fan of, Education Secretary Arnie Duncan, and Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano. Now, I do not have this quote anywhere, even though uh, I, I scoured the C-SPAN library, could not find it. According to Haslam, uh, Governor-elect of Tennessee, she said... Quote, count on something happening while you are governor. What is that supposed to mean? Well, this is what uh, I'd like to know. I don't like it. It doesn't sound very fun. 
Count on something happening while you are governor. I mean, is that like a just a foregone conclusion? Like, hey, there's always something going on, or maybe she's gonna get some money from the Saudis, or, or do we have something planned? You know, it's well, just I'm sure like, they got something planned. In yeah. fact, something planned is kind of interesting because it leads into if you're not if you're uh, kind of finished with that thought, yeah. I have the I have the something planned. Uh, uh, I, there's a couple of clips I found in the library that I want to play. Um, but let's and, and there's two of them. There's one called Mass Destruction. If you play that, uh, okay. And where's this from? Do you need to set it up? We go right into it. This well, now the second one I'm going to set up. But this one here, this is uh, this was after. Remember the Christmas bomber. This there was a whole bunch of a, a, a bunch of uh, uh, Senate hearings and all the rest of it. Right after during the month of January of this year, which is almost a year ago now, we this is the kind of news story that was playing. Mass destruction is one of them being here great to be here let's start with your assessment actually 14 months ago is there any doubt in your mind and i'll begin with you senator graham but either of you that the threat remains as you assessed it then that within the next four years it is likely or more likely than not that some terrorist somewhere in the world will use a weapon of mass destruction uh, if anything the odds that we gave a year ago which was more likely than not have probably gone up in the past 14 months that is, it is higher than just a straight, slightly more than 50-50. I love all the numbers. I love 14 months, the odds, 50-50. You know, isn't that great? Yeah, and by the way, and we have to remember that they've redefined now weapons of mass destruction to include just about anything think, short of I think a includes, cherry bomb. I think, I think it includes my ass. I mean, I think that it's now... No, I mean, they had this guy in Oregon, this this crazy thing that happened in Oregon, it's weapons of sawdust. mass destruction. <laughs> sawdust. I mean, everything's sawdust. a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> if something could blow up a cat, it's, it's a, a weapon, weapon of, of mass, mass destruction. destruction. <laughs> someplace on Earth, a terrorist group would use a weapon of mass destruction. Well, what is it? Dude, I can predict that. Hey, something's going to happen. It's like, what? All right, okay, stop the clip. Stop the clip. Okay. So let's go, let's take it to another level then, to the second, which is the Homeland Attack clip. Now, and this one, I do need this app. This was done at the Senate. This, these are our leaders in January, the end of January, very first part of February, almost a year ago. These are our leaders predicting the future, not with a bunch of vagaries, but they're, these are like the head of the CIA, Panetta, the head of the military intelligence, the head of the Joint Chiefs, and the, that intelligence go-between guy, the whole group is being grilled by Diane Feinstein, and they are telling us exactly, definitively, what's, these are our leaders telling us what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. Play it. Well, intelligence to the head of the CIA, they were all in agreement. Listen. What is the likelihood of another terrorist attempted attack on the U.S. homeland in the next three to six months? High or low? Director Blair? An attempted attack, the priority is certain, I would say. Mr. Panetta? I would agree with that. Mr. Mueller? Agree. General Burgess? Yes, ma'am. Agree. <laughs> Mr. Dinger? Yes. Well, well, why do we have all these guys? They're just all pointing to the one guy. I agree with him. Yeah. Hey, what he said. And by the way, great leaders of our country. Hinterland. What happened? Yeah, well, we had the, uh, the no, toner attack. Ah, stop. No, that didn't count. It was certain that within six months, three to six, actually, it would it definitely we'd have a horrible attack on the country. The homeland. It was, cert it was totally certain. Where is it? It was three months ago. It should have happened. Hey, we're disappointed. 
Tammy. I'm just wondering who these guys, why are we paying these people? <laughs> I love it when you get pissed off. That's kind of funny. No, seriously, they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars to give us bad information. Why are we paying them? To give us bad information. Don't you understand? Yeah, that's our leadership. You know, you know that uh, what was kind of it's funny. Certain, it's certain. It's certain. I agree with him. Yes, what what he said. So, um, has there ever, in your memory, John, been a time when the president of these United Gitmo states did not do the weekly radio address himself personally? Uh, well, I mean, the re- weekly radio address, of course, is something. No, I mean, it's either they don't do it at all. Or the, why would somebody else do it? That makes Hi, no this is sense. Joe Biden. I'm filling in for President Obama this, this weekend. What is this? The Leno show? <laughs> it literally, literally, it is like, hey everybody, I'm Joe Biden. I'm filling in. He said, I'm filling in for President Barack Obama. <laughs> this is, I saw this this morning because I always I I love watching our president show. It's now known as the YouTube show, which, by the way, I mean, is it that hard to hold up a camera with a teleprompter in Afghanistan? Is it impossible to do? I'm worried about the security and safety of our president right now because he didn't show up. And he's done this thing in Louisiana on location. It's not he's done it in Chroma Key Studios. He does it all over the place. But now all of a sudden he can't do it. And then we get uh, like uh, the, the, the weekend crew from CNN. Hi, this is Joe Biden. I'm filling in for President Obama this weekend because he's on his way back from Afghanistan where he was spending some time with the brave men. Uh, And then he goes on, blah, 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 which was just like, wow, that to me was weird. Weird that he was filling in. Um, But then he winds it up because he knows he's not going to get the slot anymore because it's just a temporary slot. And uh, let's see if I can cue it up more or less to what he said here. Economic growth by preserving tax cuts. Now, then he goes, it's a whole tax cut. You know, it's important that he like tax cuts for the rich, blah, 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 whatever. Representatives voted to do just that. Uh, let me just move it ahead. Here. Folks, there's no doubt these are tough times. Oh, here it is. <laughs> the same. Look, folks, there's no doubt these are tough hey, fo- times. Hey, folks. Hey, folks. 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 Hey, folks. These are tough hey, times. Idiots. We are slowly but surely fighting our way back, moving no, forward. Not. And we're going to keep fighting to grow the economy, to strengthen the middle class, and to restore the American dream. Now, here it comes. <laughs> That's my pledge to you. And hey, one last thing. And hey, 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 slave, one last thing. Since the president will be back to record uh, this message next week. Since uh, I'm only a st- fill-in. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Let me take this chance to say from my family to yours, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, have a great holiday season, and an even better New Year. And a happy Kwanzaa. I'm insulted. What happened to Kwanzaa? I'm insulted he didn't mention Kwanzaa. Oh, <laughs> I'm so insulted. <laughs> And Festivus, he didn't mention Festivus. that Festivus and the Solstice. I, you know, he like he slighted me, man. He, he slighted, slighted the pagans. He slighted the bullcrappers and everybody in between. <laughs> so, and now here's a clip from the Gitmo Nation jewelry uh, category about this judge in Texas. And uh, I'm only going to play a little bit of it. Uh, it's the whole clip is actually quite interesting. I'm contemplating it being an end of show clip. Uh, you'll want to hear it. Um. But this is, I believe this may even be from our national treasure. Well, we also discussed other ways education officials are trying to keep kids in school. The Toronto District School Board, for example, is studying the idea of paying low-income children if they come to school to get and get good grades. This is good. This is, this is a good thing, John. 
I'm in. Yeah. I, I want to go back to school all of a sudden. Using a carrot instead of a stick, so to speak. Uh-huh. David Kobos has a very different approach. He's a judge in Midland, Texas, and he sometimes orders students to wear a GPS anklet. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! This is good. This is... <laughs> Oh, this is Texas. All you Texans should be so proud of yourselves. Let's listen in. The kind used to track parolees. Judge Kobos is in mid... From the BI Corporation, of course. They're expanding. Expanding into... They're actually going to have their annual report. Uh, Shareholders, um, this year we expanded into education... Lynn, Texas, good morning. Good morning. How did you get this idea of sentencing truant teenagers with ankle monitors? Well, in in Texas, there are laws, uh, compulsory school attendance laws, which require uh, students to attend school. Um, So if them damn slaves don't want to listen, we got to slap the bracelet on them. From kindergarten up to their 18th birthday. Uh, compulsory school attendance laws. And simply what I'm doing is in, in fulfilling my duties as a judge to enforce those particular laws. And I'm just doing what I'm told. I'm just doing what, uh, what the law tells me to do. The law is structured that gives me some discretion ah. in, uh, in what is reasonable to ensure. <laughs> this is reasonable. John, you know, reasonable. I, these things cost a fortune. It's not it's, reasonable in any mo- monetary reasonable. sense. Who's paying for that? You know, th- you know, this guy has got to be on the take. He's got to be on the take for BI. It, it, there's just no way. I mean, how else did he come up with this? This is a very expensive program. That the orders of the court and state law are being followed. Uh, we do have an attorney general opinion who has confirmed that the use of ankle monitors in failure to attend cases is reasonable. It's reasonable. Uh, by the way, this guy was investigated by the FBI as part of a corrupt corruptions probe in 2007. So you, you mark my words, this guy. The judge? Take, yeah, mark my word. But it's reasonable. So this has been approved by lawmakers that... Uh, I have to assume that whoever was interviewing him knew this and they, they would have brought this up. No, please. It's our national treasure. Uh, and I started using him before our uh, state attorney general was asked... On uh, my wife. <laughs> Uh, whether that was reasonable, because as a judge, I determined that it was. Um, and uh-huh. how I got the idea is we have a pretrial uh, office here, which if an individual is unable to bond out of jail because they don't have the financial means, the county has a program whereby they will put up the bond at a reduced rate uh, for the defendant to bond out, so therefore we're not overcrowding our jails. I'm sorry, it's CBC, not NPR. Well, it's a, another Gitmo Nation station. It's the ca- Canadian version. Canadian version. And they yeah. use GPS monitors. And so uh, I just got together with the pretrial people, asked them if I could borrow a couple of those monitors. Hey, hey, you got some of them bracelets? You got some jewelry for me? I want to borrow a couple. For a, for a test, and I installed them on a couple of uh, young people. <laughs> I installed them. <laughs> I install them on a couple of punks. We're having problems at home, running away. They're running away, so if they run away, we... Yeah, they're being beat up at home, being I'm not abused. Going to school. And, you know, now you must make sure they stay there. Yeah. And it worked. It's success. And so what, it, what does the monitor actually do? Well, <laughs> this, is, this is journalism in Canada. So um, what does the GPS anchor bracelet monitor actually do? Uh-huh. Well, it, it tells us their location. Um, for example, huh. if a person is... Write this is, down. <laughs> Take notes. Chronically skipping school, 
then we place a monitor on them. For example, if they're at home and they're supposed to be at school between 7.30 and 3, then we get an alert. 7.30 and 3? 7.30? Really? Kind of early. Where are the parents in all of this? Where is it? Where are the, where's the outrage about this? This is this is nutball. Alert that they're that they're outside of the prescribed zone, and therefore we can hone in the zone, the zone, ah, the zone, the Gitmo zone, or send uh, the troops, the constable, the troops, the oh, troops, we can send in the troops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm saving this for end of show clip. This is too good. It, it just goes on and on. The guy is phenomenal. The troops. I'm sending in the troops. Oh, my goodness. All right, now I have something very serious to discuss. Um, because I have been doing my research, and uh, in the opening of the show, where I misstated that today is December 4th, you know, that part, where it's actually December 5th, there's a, um, and, and I'm not a... Uh, By the way, wait, stop. You can go back and do a post-production that says, I'm Adam Curry. Today is December 5th. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. That's, we, don't nah. edit, we don't edit this show. That's the beauty of it. Otherwise, you might as well just call us The Economist. Uh, so, um, not a huge fan of, uh, of the Alex Jones organization, although I do listen quite frequently because uh, I love the guests that he has on. Um, however, there's this guy, this Alex Berman, Burmus, I think his name is, he's, he, I think he did, uh, he's done a couple of the movies for, uh, for Alex Jones and he interviewed. And so that's why I actually, uh, wanted to see this. I'm just going to bring this up. He interviewed, uh, Rosalind Peterson and, uh, Rosalind Peterson, who, uh, by the way, uh, does not speak of chemtrails, but speaks of persistent jet contrails. Uh, she has her own watchdog group called California Skywatch, but she was a certified USDA Farm Service Agency crop loss adjuster, which I think means, and she actually explains it in this interview, um, she would go out and, uh, and evaluate if a farmer uh, was entitled to compensation for a crop loss. Uh, weren't you kind of in in this area of air pollution stuff like that, John? When you worked for the government, I was in yeah, but not crop loss. No, 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 no. But but you 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 did do you actually you measured air pollution, correct? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I didn't go out personally measure. The engineers did that. I was out there enforcing the law. Yeah, with the with the troops and the monitors, with the troops. <laughs> So um, she goes into great detail, and I and I of course put a link in the show notes to the uh, to this interview. It's about an hour, and I think you really should watch it because she has a well backed, well researched uh, theory about what some would call chemtrails. Uh, and and she right off the bat in this documentary, she says you can't call these things chemtrails. If you do that, immediately you're deemed a crackpot. She says they are uh, in government even known, and this is a, a, a government term known as persistent jet contrails. And um, I have a couple of clips that I pulled from this that I thought were uh, pertinent to the show because, you know, I'm all over it. I, I think we all agree that something is going on. And according to this interview, that she, and she seems like a very, very smart woman. She seems well put together. She has a lot of uh, government background understands how things work and she did the research and it's all at this uh, california skywatch uh 
website. And actually, I sent you the uh, U.S. Air Force weather modification document. Did you have a chance to look at that? Yeah, I looked at it, and then I backtracked on many of the uh, citations to see where this all began and some of the details from the past to see exactly where it's headed. And uh, I have some thoughts on it. Okay. Uh, well, I, well let's, uh, let's just go briefly into this, because she says, her assertion, I'll just, I'll, uh, uh, spoiler alert, what she says is these are geoengineering uh, projects which are funded by private uh, corporations um, done mainly by the military, and she has all the flight paths, and she really did a lot of the work. And uh, she uh, attended a meeting of geoengineering uh, scientists who were actually conducting many of these experiments, and here's some of what she learned. Let me go back to 2006 in November. Uh, NASA Ames in California had a meeting of geoengineers from all over the world. It was a big meeting. It went on for a week, and it was not open to the public. During the course of this meeting, they were talking about these different geoengineering projects that they were studying. These were university professors, different people, and there was many proposals that were put forward at this meeting. I was lucky enough to be present at the one-day public event that they had on this meeting where several of the scientists and, and college professors spoke at this meeting with regard to geoengineering. One of the things we have on tape, uh, because it was allowed to be videotaped, is that they were talking about the word geoengineering. And many of the geoengineering in people in 2006 said that they had kept the word out of the public realm because they knew that if the public would uh, would find out about their some of their schemes of putting chemicals into the air to uh, to shooting salt into the air, um, all kinds of different experiments that the public might say no. So they actually admitted that they kept the word geoengineering out of uh, out of text and out of uh, you can't find it in a lot of college textbooks um, at any lower um, level. So I I thought that was. Right there was very interesting that they would actually admit to that, and uh, I would uh, ask all of our uh, younger listeners to uh, explore their textbooks and see if that is indeed true, if they can find any mention of geoengineering. Oh, I'm sure there's no mention of it whatsoever. I mean, the one thing I turned up when I was looking at this material, with a more skeptical eye than you, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, is the uh, fact that this, this, the concept of weather modification it goes back to like, World oh, War II. Oh, yeah, uh, but, exactly. but the thing that, that should be emphasized, and the one thing that keeps turning up over and over again, and she even says it herself, they're experimenting. And they, their experimentation is, is, is so crazy. For example, there was a, uh, a hurricane that was, that was moving nicely along the coastline uh, in 1947, and so these, these uh, weather modification guys from the government decided to drop a couple hundred pounds of dry ice into the hurricane. They took one of those bomber planes that could fly into the hurricane, into the eye, and they, I guess in the way in or the way out, they dropped all this dry ice, and the hurricane took an immediate left turn and slammed into Savannah, Georgia, doing <laughs> massive damage. Whoops. And the government had to keep this quiet and i think the reason they want to keep all this quiet is for is the reason that a it's very experimental and b it, and it was said in the documents when it was finally d- uh, revealed that this happened they're worried sick that you know this the, the savannah people were going to sue the crap out of the government who had caused this problem they believe and they would have been liable so the government experimenting with the public do- in the public domain with all these crazy ideas uh they just basically don't want to get sued when they kill you 
So here's uh, uh, good. Thank you. I'm going to skip ahead to the next clip. She talks about the uh, the funding for this, where it comes from, and this, of course, uh, kind of tracks back to my dismay about uh, all of the money. Fl- and this runs completely parallel with the global warming scam, etc. The, the underlying cause of all of this and some of the funding is military funding, because the military wants to be able to control the weather. The military has got an agenda that if they control the, the, the weather, they can control any country to make it do whatever they want. And many documents, uh, owning the weather 2025... Yeah, you should read this document. I've linked to it in the show notes. It's from the uh, Air Force. It's actually the AF.mil website, this PDF, uh, called uh, weather, tw- uh, weather 2025. Um a quote from that in 2025 u.s aerospace forces can own the weather by capitalizing on emerging technologies and focusing development of those technologies to war fighting applications such a capability offers the war fight war fighter tools to shape the battle space in ways never before possible it provides opportunities to impact operations across the full spectrum of conflict and is pertinent to all possible futures the purpose of this paper is to outline a strategy for the use of future weather modification systems to achieve military objectives rather than to provide a detailed technical road map. And it just goes on and on and on about how awesome this is going to be. It's just awesome. It's great. We need it. Um, there's several documents in which they talk about how it, rather than having some weapons of mass destruction, in other words, bombs or something, if they could control the weather in a country, they could actually force them and say, look, we will put you in drought. We will put you in floods. So some of the... Ex- Sound familiar, Pakistan? <laughs> Experiments with the weather modification and other things that the geoengineers are doing would mean that they would have it would be a military application and a lot of money comes from the military se- sector for this. I've looked at some of the universities and I looked at the funding chain. Uh, in other words, who's who's funding these? Because it has to be public, and we know that the military is also initiating programs and paying for funding. So when you look at the funding stream, you can see that it's private corporations. You can see that it's the military. So there's a lot of funding in there that's not coming from you and I because we couldn't afford it. And the big... Uh, military budget is where there's a lot of extra money for experimentation. So that's where a lot of the funding. And then it's it's private corporations who will make money from uh-huh. these experiments going in and will produce whatever's needed to do these experiments. So that funding is coming in. It's like the, the CRESS program, the Air, CRRES, when they were sending up these canisters in and loaded with chemicals to superheat, well, that was a NASA budget. That's the U.S. Air Force budget, and then they do ionospheric testing. Well, how do we know what impact that had on the environment that protects us around the Earth? So she she goes into quite a lot of detail because her job was actually to look at crops and trees and other foliage and stuff, and um, this would actually be homework for you. Although I think she's probably done most of the work. She went back and she studied all of the... Actually, I'm not even going to play this clip. Uh, but she, she studied all of the, the water, drinking water reports, which date, some of them date back to, I think, 1970. And it turns out that there were these spikes um, in certain chemicals being in, in California, in the drinking water in California. And she said, it's not so crazy that you have a spike from time to time, because it can be from a lot of different things, but to have a simultaneous spike in mag- magnamese 
aluminum, barium. Mang- ma- probably manganese. Or Man- manganese, I'm sorry. Yeah. All at the same time is, of course, quite spectacular. And so you can just order the CD, and, and it's like 18 megabytes of data. And uh, she graphed it all out. And, and these spikes are, of course, you know, this is what's happening. They are spraying stuff in the air. It's yeah. all a part of experiments. And here's the final clip I'll play. And it, of course, is to uh, save the children, uh, John, obviously. And they ad- readily admitted that. That was one. Two, they want to be able to continue with their work because that's job security for a lot of university professors. Three, um, several of them have stated, well, you know, the public, we're going to be who the world turns to when global warming becomes this big problem. They're going to ask us to, to save the world. We're going to be the new stewards of the environment, and our programs are going to be the ones that will be initiated to save the world from global warming or whatever catastrophe. So therefore, we have to experiment now, get the funding and experiment now, or continue our experiments so that we are ready to be the new stewards of the environment. But the problem is, when you start putting up chemicals and you start doing atmospheric experiments, you start to impact agriculture, food supplies, watersheds. You start to impact everything that we depend upon for um, life on Earth, and what happens if their programs go awry? And when they were asked this, they said, "Well, then you know, you know, well, you're, it's just an experimental program, you know. Well, if if someone gets hurt or harmed, well, so what?" Their their attitude <laughs> so was what? very cavalier about this. <laughs> and Professor Benford actually wrote a program about the Arctic, and they said in in his, in his article, he even said, "Well, if if something goes wrong, why it will wash out eventually in the long term, and if you if you have to sacrifice a few." people or an area like the Arctic, <laughs> so what? then that's okay because it's all in, in the realm of scientific study. Ah, yes. The science is in! So, uh, I think... Add scientists at work. So I think that's pretty conclusive. And uh, I encourage everyone to go see that and stop using the uh, chemtrails word because it just deems you as an idiot. Uh, I, and I've certainly been uh, at the forefront of that. But persistent jet contrails, I think, is... Uh, is without a doubt what we're seeing in the skies above us, and we're being experimented on. Well, the one thing they did that did turn up quite a bit in the literature, uh, especially in the 60s, was it, and then much later, it turns out, which is possibly the way you could create flooding in certain areas, it turns out that the cheapest way to get clouds to form is, is using uh, carbon particulate mm-hmm. in the atmosphere. Right. And, and the absolute easiest way to get the carbon particulate up there is to take a regular jet fighter and turn on the afterburners and go at subsonic speeds, and it just throws a bunch of dirt in the air. Yeah, those are the, the black are, cloud. No, that, that's what well, she actually said. She studied that. That's the black persistent jet contrails. She has yeah, all kinds of different words for it. But the yeah. only way you can get that the only way you're gonna get that black smoke out of a jet is by turning on the afterburners uh, at uh, speeds that uh, don't support uh, its use. <laughs> it's like burning shit up. It's just no, it's like a it's a bad you know, it's like you you're it's like when you don't get enough oxygen to a flame and it's all sooty. Yeah, it gets all smoky, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well not just smoke, but soot smoke, soot which smoke. is a specific yeah. type of smoke. 
Anyway, right, so well, okay, well, the, we'll follow. There's the, the, well, uh, I find. I mean, it's not just for me. It's not just a, oh well, we'll follow it because I think I'm gonna just oh well, we'll follow it and move to Paraguay. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's happening everywhere. This is the thing. It's like when I when I throw up a picture of uh, of a persistent jet contrail over the house here, which is right over the Hollywood uh, water reservoir. You know, I get pictures from everywhere, and this it, it is new. It is something that's been happening since. Uh, around 1992 and these are experiments we're being experimented on and no one is being honest about it they should just you know we should at least have a vote i mean if we all say okay uh, all right um it's a good idea you know then at least we voted about it and we, we had some honest information no. there's not a democracy no and it, it's, 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 it's but it's not a democracy it's a republic and you know they our leaders our great leaders the one who told us that we're going to have an attack in three months back in january something will our great happen. leaders make these decisions for us yeah great leaders anyway <sighs> hey i found hey i found that clip which one is that well, this is a clip that we were going to save, and then I lost. Ooh. And it was the uh, laundry list. That, you know, we're talking about the battle between the White House and the CIA. Oh, right, 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 right. I just want to play this clip. This is the, the laundry list of the things that Obama has done right off the bat, because this clip is a year old, mm-hmm. uh, to the CIA to create part of the bad blood. These are the actions Obama took which signaled to the CIA to back off. One, he restricted the CIA's use of renditions to preempt terrorism. Two, he closed secret CIA interrogation centers abroad. Three, he banned waterboarding. Four, he's closing Guantanamo. Five, he ordered captured unlawful combatants to be read Miranda rights. Six, he is trying KSM, Khalid Sheikh uh, Mohammed. Mohammed, and other terrorists like Abdul Mutalab in civil courts with full constitutional rights. Seven, he ordered Holder to reopen criminal probes and prosecute CIA officers for harsh interrogations. Eight, he issued no diplomatic démarche or protest against Italy for, convict, for convicting 23 U.S. CIA and military officials in absentia for rendition. Our guys. And eight, uh, nine rather, finally, he unleashed Holder to prosecute Bush policymakers like John John Yu for their counterterrorism uh, policy. Do you want to speak to that? Hold on, Ellen. You want yeah, well, of course, he didn't close uh, Guantanamo Bay. No, and I'm sure he backed off on a, more than a few of those things. But uh, that would be enough to piss off the CIA. Yeah, it seems like a good little laundry list. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a few things about Haiti. Well, before we do that, let's do something light. I have a light clip. <laughs> I want to get it out of here. Oh, something light. You know how we talk about... Uh, you know, the cop shows and then they take the one pixel uh, lation of the license plate and push a button and then you can see it clearly. Yeah, zoom in, rotate, look in the, the it, reflection in the mirror. Ah, it's our it, man. There's a new one. <laughs> no, please don't tell me. Yes, this is all new. This is a new video trick, another new impossible video trick. This is a beauty. See if you can catch it. This is from the TV show Blue Bloods. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Actually, the shooter's out of frame there. Where were you again? I'm right over there. Do you have any other cameras? Another angle? Can't see much of anything here. Well, we're going to need to take this for evidence. You know, Teru can enhance the video, maybe expand the view. Yeah. Oh. What can you tell us about this guy, King? <laughs> He's out of frame, but somehow we can magically expand the view. <laughs> Isn't that a gem? <laughs> Oh, this is great. Hey, why don't we do that uh, for the uh, 9-11 attack of the Pentagon? Because, you know, yes, we, expand the view. just expand the view. We should be able to see it no problem. That would be perfect. 
Oh, man. Well, meanwhile, uh, Haiti has gone uh, completely, it's complete chaos. And uh, so as we uncovered on the previous program, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the problem is about the land ownership. And this yeah, is, re- re- yeah, this is really coming to a head because uh, I, I, I think, John, you and I presume that what's happening is uh, the Clintons are moving in and saying, hey, this is a nice spot. You know, we've had uh, beauty queens and all kinds of uh, important beautiful women taking pictures of happy people but really they're just doing land surveying and uh so there's you know there's all these camps and now they've got the rude boys which of course are the thugs showing up and telling people you got to get off this land or else and we're talking 1.3 million people in tents are now being kicked off the land because this land is now to be developed uh, by uh well the United Nations, obviously, uh, is uh, is is protecting the interests. Well, who's who's representing the United Nations as the envoy? That would be. Let me think. Oh, Bill Clinton. Oh, okay, right. Um, so, in this report from the Guardian, a shortage of funds has been compounded by the delay. So, the, so what they're saying now is well. The money has been delayed because we don't, you know, the the people on land they don't own. And, you know, it's like, what happened to the emergency of all this? So in this article, it literally states of the pledge $6 billion, only $2 billion has been committed, of which only $732 million, and not a penny more, has been spent mostly trying to put the government back on its feet. So what does that mean? Putting the government back on bank accounts. Well, yeah, putting it back on its feet means uh, getting the right guy elected. Now, uh, on the seventh, that will be Tuesday, is when they will announce the uh, the winner of the uh, recent elections. Of which, and I have tons of reports here. Ninety percent of the people did not show up to vote. In fact, there's video from um, uh, Al Jazeera, which I've also linked to of Haitians ripping down posters of Jude Celestine, the protege of uh, outgoing President Preval, the PPP, protege President Preval, uh, ripping it down, burning burning uh, all kinds of propaganda that's been plastered all over uh, all over the uh, the city. Uh, and and uh, now there's like pandemonium is broken out. They uh, the Haitians are are killing people who are who they claim are uh, propagating the formula being the cholera. They've lynched fifteen people who they say were trying to uh, spread more cholera. They say, well, of course, this is you know this is kind of crazy. A dozen people accused of importing cholera to a region that was spared were killed with machetes and stones, and their corpses were burned in the streets. They were accused of witchcraft related to cholera. So, you know, so when this happens, then everything's out of control. People are completely just freaking out. Now, um, why is Haiti so important? A couple of things. Um, do you know what uh, something in America that we use every single day? It's kind of out of season right now. Uh, but every every day we use this uh, this article in these United States, and it's pretty unique to these United States, uh, and it's made in Haiti. Do you know what that is, John? I actually heard this before, but I'd forgotten right. about it. Baseballs. All baseballs are pretty much all made in Haiti. 
I thought they were made in the Dominican Republic. No, well, close enough, right? Uh, apparently, they're all made in, in Haiti. Now, this Jude Celestine, um, who, of course, uh, should be the winner because uh, he is the uh, protege of President Preval. Um, he uh, and his mistress, Tanya Shishimi, uh, has long-standing connections with the cocaine trafficking through Haiti. This is this is the thing I was kind of looking for. What what drug is it? And it turns out that uh, it really is the cocaine industry that's being run through there. And so this is why Haiti is a very important. Uh, Isn't uh, cocaine the uh, was the was the drug of choice running through Mena, Arkansas? Yes. Let me think. Who again is the envoy? Um, Bill Clinton. You see, it all comes back to Clinton, every single piece of this. So Jude Celestine is, of course, the protege of René Preval, outgoing president. Uh, he is friend, his best friend, Reynald Bonnefil, was arrested during the Aristide presidency with 53 kilos of cocaine in his car and like 200 grand in cash. And... Everything I can find points to billions of dollars of cocaine running through Haiti. Mm. Yeah. So uh, well, that would explain a lot. It does, doesn't it? And and, and when you it, the whole thing. And by the way, where's the media? Where is where Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper? Where are you on all this? Well, after they loaded his plane filled with cocaine and shipped it back, <laughs> unbeknownst to him. Yeah, probably. Yeah, why would he have anything to do with it? And uh, but you know, all those private jets going back and forth must have been. That's, that's not a bad way to move stuff out. So the girls in the uh, so these are American companies, by the way, that make the baseballs. The the girls there are paid a dollar forty a day, and making baseballs is uh, is it's a, not a good business. It's a, it can hurt children making them. Uh, also, uh, bauxite, sugar. What's this all? Bauxite. What's yeah? What, what's bauxite and what's sisal? Bauxite is the pre- progenitor to making aluminum. Ooh, bauxite is aluminum ore. Do you know what also is made in Haiti? No, the uh, Disney uh, clothes. Oh, yes, that's right. Disney clothes. Um, in fact, this is a good little thing here. The factory girls get eight cents an hour. Walmart sells the Pocahontas pajamas for eleven ninety seven. So it probably takes them like two seconds to make one. Yeah, fabric's nothing. Yeah, that's a good profit. So, and it's good to know that Walmart's doing stuff other than just buying from China. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's uh, at least it's American because China they pay too much anyway. They're up to twenty cents or something like that. These these eight <laughs> cents is it's way too much. <laughs> it's way too much. United States of Europe, uh, of course. Uh, and then I had this is my last theory for the day, and then I'm done. Angela Merkel warned that Germany could abandon the euro. Uh, this is the meme spreading across uh, Gitmo Nation Europe. Uh, yeah, I like this meme. Yeah, I, I like it too. Uh, here's the it's a little too convenient for it, our it, show. Well, this is this is why I was a little bit suspicious. But how's this for a theory? So first of all, we give WikiLeaks a lot of credibility, right? With all these cables. And then we know that that Assange has threatened to come out with news about a bank. What if this bank is either, A, 
not an American bank, but it could be a central bank or it could be a European bank. But when what so what happened in uh, 2008? The bank screwed up and then they uh, Cheney, uh, yeah, Cheney and Bernanke, they went to Congress with one paragraph and said, here's the new law you're going to pass. You're going to give us a couple trillion dollars. If not, there will be uh, uh, pandemonium, martial law, and uh, we're all going to die. Right. Was that kind of the way it went? Uh, yeah, kind of. Right. I don't know about Cheney. I guess he was involved somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and they had all those secret meetings. And okay. People recused all right. themselves. Yeah, but they did say all hell is going to break loose if they didn't do this martial now. Martial law. They, they literally threatened some of the martial congressmen law. with martial law. Okay. FEMA camps. So now, if, if you are a, a bank, and, uh, and it's all messed up, and it's all screwed up, but you basically want to do one last big, mega, massive, crazy-ass grab the money... The only way that could really work is if there was a, a bank run and everyone went nuts and wanted to take their money. And, of course, there is no money because the banks through the fractional banking system hold about, what, like 1% now is actually in cash, if that. Everything else is just digital. And everyone said, runs to the bank and says, I want it. Now, two weeks ago, we had uh, Sheila Bear of the uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation say, well, you know, yeah, we insure all your accounts, but, you know... It, it, it may not be there forever, you know, kind of like, remember this, the cover your ass memo? That yeah, it's kind of like, well, we got money, but we don't, can't, you know, yeah, we get, uh, you know, they beat around the bush. So if the euro actually collapses because of some unbelievable information that WikiLeaks put out there, I think that there would be a massive bank run in all nations all around the world, everyone running saying, I want my money, there is no money. And that would be the bailout of all mother of bailouts. And that would be the fine, just to, just everything implodes upon itself and the bankers make off with whatever is left. Yeah, it's an interesting theory. It's a huge, it could be a huge setup. I mean, this, I'm waiting, uh, all the stuff from WikiLeaks, yeah, we've, we've talked about almost every single thing that comes out, yeah, whatever, gee, big news. I'm but, actually thinking right now, yeah, I, I mean, it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's like, I don't think that's what's going to happen. First of all, I think it's going to be, I think the WikiLeaks folks are going to realize that they have a, a, some great blackmail material. I mean, that's what this really amounts to. And mm-hmm. we have, nobody's brought up the blackmail concept, mm-hmm. which is that if you got, say you have the goods on the bank, say it's the Bank of America, or say it's the, the Bundesbank, or the, whatever the German bank's called, Deutsche Bank, mm-hmm. um, or whatever, you know, the and you've got the goods, you've got all these memos. I mean, you know, it might be a wise thing to, to stave off uh, the release of these memos with a little contribution, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's not beyond these organizations to ask for a contribution now and again. I mean, <laughs> Jesse Jackson's known for, a contribution you know, coming out with a kind of, a, you know, well, you know you, we don't like the way you're hiring at your company, you know, and we might want to make a stink about it. But then again, you know, our organization needs a little cash, yeah, you uh, might uh, want to hook us up now that our PayPal has been turned off. Uh, that kind of thing. I mean, they haven't done it that I know of, but it seems the logical next step. Not I, that I, people I, are thinking, not that everybody's corrupt, but, you know, it's a corrupt world. They know it, it is, and they see they have the evidence. So what am I supposed eh, to say? Maybe. But, you know, this bank run thing, you know, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, I think something may come down this week. Uh, the, we'll the, 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 I don't the, think the so. Bank. I think they, 
I don't think anything's going to happen. I mean, there's supposed to be something happening. There's a prediction for the 11th or something like that. No, no, there's no, two no, things. No, Dece- December 10th is when the bank run has been called for. It's already been set up by okay. the uh, soccer star from uh, Gitmo Nation Stinky Cheese. And uh, but you know, if you really want to do something massive, you need a, you need a, again. I'm back to Sim City. You need a couple of things in place. You need some credible form of information, some credible source. So that could be WikiLeaks coming out with oh. These guys are all out of money. You need people like Merkel saying, well, "We're just going to give up on this euro." I mean, the, you know, I don't know. Well, here's man. what I'd like to. Here's what I'd like to find out. I'd like to find out if the Germans are printing marks. Hmm. Interesting. Just you in case. can't just drop the currency and then not have anything to have replace. Everything it. ready to go. Right. Set the ready. Right. Right. And somebody knows. I mean, these printing presses, they don't crank up a bunch of money without somebody knowing about it because the people that run the printing presses are all usually union people and they're, you know, they, they're chatty. I'm sure they don't understand what a non disclosure is. And they could just say, yeah, we're printing marks. I mean, you know, or, or you go straight to a cashless society. That would be a perfect way to do yeah, that's, it. I think that's that right now it's too hard to do that. I don't think I think it it would be very difficult to pull that off without causing a huge disruption. They have to be printing marks. Hmm. They're printing them now. If you if you looked around the uh, areas of uh, you know where the printing presses are, you know, located, and there's just, just you know specific areas you would know if you lived in Germany. I'm sure uh, that the economy in that local area somehow there's a buzz going on or something like that. Right. Uh, that means the presses are up and running. Well, this is a call out then to uh, our uh, producers, and I think we have a night or two, don't we, in Gitmo Nation Deutschland? Maybe. Mm-hmm. It would be very interesting. All well, right, just then. Keep an eye out. To uh, to wrap things up, a little update on the Hollywood Whackers. Uh, I'm sure you uh, heard that uh, the police uh, went after this uh, guy of interest, person of interest, who then shot himself. Uh, this is in the uh, the public- uh, publicist slaying of Ronnie Chasen. Uh, you heard about that, John? Yeah, we talked about it in the last show about the guy right. shooting. Himself. Well, the police say, uh, well, he probably wasn't connected. <laughs> what they're saying. No, no, he just shot him. So as soon as the sh- cop showed up, he just shot himself for no apparent reason. Yeah, but he wasn't really connected. As nothing to see here. N- nothing yeah. going on whatsoever. Uh, today, uh, also really interesting. There's a new book out, which I don't think is actually. It certainly hasn't hit my Kindle uh, for the iPhone or uh, the iBook store. Um, this is about uh, Mark David Chapman um, killing John Lennon. Yeah. Uh, and so this book is, of course, that, uh, you know, this is all about the catcher in the rye situation. And this guy was uh, apparently a CIA asset and they wanted to get rid of John Lennon because he was, you know, he was preaching peace. And that was not a good thing no. at the time. That's lame. I don't know. I, I, he's I, preaching peace like he's the only guy who's ever done that. No, he was but already he, he was already marginalized as kind of a nutcase. Well, he he was the guy that he was buying billboards. I mean, he was. He, so what? Yeah, well, back in the day, a billboard, you know, we didn't have internet and stuff. I'm not buying that in the least. Okay. I think he's just a nutball. I mean, he may have been assassinated, but I don't think it would be for that. And uh, then the the last thing from Gitmo Nation Deutschland was just as kind of a light-ass topic. Uh, but German scientists uh, say the science is now in. Uh, kids should definitely be chewing chewing gum at school. It's very good for you. It stimulates what? yes, it stimulates the brain. <laughs> what? This is it's fantastic. This is the They're just trying to poison the public? Yes, the Ministry of Aspartame. Uh, the positive effect of chewing probably lies in the fact that part of the brain is 
in the brainstem that keeps us alert and is constantly stimulated, as a result of which the attention level rises, as does the flow of blood to the brain, and with it the ability to learn, says Siegfried Lerl, head of the Society of Brain Training, and a scientist at the University of Erlangen. Especially the sugar-free variety. No. Yes, he says sugar-free. <laughs> it gets so good. Sugar-free. How transparent gum. is this bowl crap? Sugar-free gum has an added health benefit that it keeps your teeth clean during meals. Yeah, and poisons you with aspartame. I mean, it's That's a good one. Uh, no agenda says do not repeat. Do not chew gum with aspartame. Do not. It is poison for you. And talking about that sort of thing, we do have a talking points memo coming out on Wednesday. I'm going to send it to everybody on the mailing list. Get on the mailing list today or tomorrow. You'll be left out um, by signing up for the mailing list, which is on the uh, No Agenda uh, show site and uh, Dvorak.org. And uh, wherever the show is, Curry.com, we post a little thing you can sign up. Yeah. And that'll be out Wednesday. And uh, it's going to be about, the as you, by your suggestion, it's going to be about the TSA. And and the and the talking points that you need to use if you get into an argument with people, or, concentrating mostly on the fact that the machines are dangerous. Yeah, uh, and these are just little things you can use. Uh, and again, the, you want to be very slow and cautious, and you'll learn. You, you'll you'll strike out a couple of times, but do not get angry. But you know we've got some really good talking points in there. You know uh, the one. That- These are the same. This is the way the political parties operate. If you watch the John Stewart show and he does the, the deconstruction of a million people on those those morning talk shows, they all you you know they're like you put forty Republicans up there and they all spew the exact same talking point because that's what these political parties do. They do it. The Republicans do it. These are actual little buzzwords, buzz terms. You know, little things you throw out there time and time and time again. You just pound these home and then they become memes in the public domain and that's what we're doing we're going to produce and you, you can take it or leave it some people would say whether well, this is bad we think the tsa is great they're helping protect us if you believe that you don't need the talking points memo don't sign up for it right but uh you will um use these with great enjoyment i'm sure but the one that always works for me is the dosimeters when you say yeah it's really weird but uh, this is just a practice run right it's really weird, but I um, I read that the uh, the TSA guys were not allowed to wear dosimeters. You know, that's what your your doctor and your dentist wears that little thing, and at the end of the week they hand it in and they check in to see if they've had too much radiation because it's cumulative. You know, it builds up over time, and uh, they're not allowed to wear those. That's really weird, isn't it? And you kind of question that, and you watch you watch people go really, and then you've got them hooked, and then you've How got then, yeah, then you've got fifteen more you can uh, you can How come unload. These X-ray machines, which people go into, aren't run by radiologists. Yeah, that, that's really isn't that weird. It's kind of interesting the way that works. Yeah, and do you think that they'll show up at sporting events and banks and schools and you know, and even if it's a small amount, will all those little amounts add up to one big amount over time? If you have to go through scanners all the all the time, I it, I know I just stuff I ask myself. Anyway, so that's the kind of idea that we have with these, uh, and we have we will have them for. Uh, we have various topics that you you if you listen to the show, you know which ones they are. We hound the pound home certain things, certain issues we we believe in. It's not like we have an agenda. The agenda is the uh, is the it was kind of you know open source information, and so uh, that's what these things are. You can I get again if you don't want this sort of thing don't sign up for the list but if you want to get it and see what we're doing you can uh, sign up uh, immediately and also go to no 
to Dvorak.org slash NA and help us out for the next show. Yeah, the uh, support is appreciated. Um, and we do not have George Soros giving us $1.8 million to hire 100 journalists. <laughs> we still do a better job. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California, where we are looking at the skies, tracking the persistent jet contrails. My name is Adam Curry. And I'm not looking at any contrails because it's cloudy and overcast and it may rain. I'm in northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again uh, on Thursday right here on No Agenda. Well, we also discussed other ways education officials are trying to keep kids in school. The Toronto District School Board, for example, is studying the idea of paying low-income children if they come to school to get and get good grades using a carrot instead of a stick, so to speak. David Kobos has a very different approach. He's a judge in Midland, Texas, and he sometimes orders students to wear a GPS anklet, the kind used to track parolees. Judge Kobos is in Midland, Texas. Good morning. Good morning. How did you get this idea of sentencing truant teenagers with anklets? monitors. Well, in, in Texas, there are laws, uh, compulsory school attendance laws, which require uh, students to attend school um, from kindergarten up to their 18th birthday. Uh, compulsory school attendance laws. And simply what I'm doing is in, in fulfilling my duties as a judge to enforce those particular laws. And the law is structured that gives me some discretion in uh, in what is reasonable to ensure that the orders of the court and state law are being followed. Uh, we do have an attorney general opinion who has confirmed that the use of ankle monitors in failure to attend cases is reasonable. Uh, and I started using them before our uh, state attorney general was asked uh, whether that was reasonable, because as a judge I determined that it was. Um, and how I got the idea is we have a pretrial uh, office here which, if an individual is unable to bond out of jail because they don't have the financial means, the county has a program whereby they will put up the bond at a reduced rate uh, for the defendant to bond out so therefore we're not overcrowding our jails. And they use GPS monitors. And so uh, I just got together with the pretrial people, asked them if I could borrow a couple of those monitors for a, for a test, and I installed them on a couple of uh, young people that were having problems at home, running away, uh, not going to school, and it worked. Mm. And so what, it, what does the monitor actually do? Well, it, it tells us their location. Um, for example, if a person is, is chronically skipping school, then we place a monitor on them. For example, if they're at home and they're supposed to be at school between 7.30 and 3, then we get an alert that they're, that they're outside of the prescribed zone, and therefore we can hone in or send uh, the troops, the constable, uh, and I have a staff of four people. I've essentially created a probation department within my court. Uh, then we can, we can pinpoint the offender. Uh, and have them picked up and taken to school. So uh, some would say that's pretty extreme. What kind of a reaction has there been to this approach? Well, um, I haven't had the ACLU contact me yet. Uh, Parents are appreciative. Uh, The young people, believe it or not, are appreciative. Uh, I've had some come in and ask to be fitted with a monitor, and and I'll ask them why. And they'll say, because it will help me. So it kind of serves an electronic conscience as well. 
So under what circumstances would you sentence a student to wear such a GPS if they don't ask? Well, it depends on the circumstances. Number one, we may have uh, a student that, that continually runs away from home or leaves the house, doesn't come back till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we may have a student that is involved in drug activity or alcohol activity or is just constantly, chronically uh, skipping school. For example, I use what I call the three-strike rule. Once they get filed on to come to court, that's strike one. If they violate the court's order, they're brought back to court and cautioned about it uh, and the consequences of violating the court order. The third time could include some sanctions, such as uh, suspension of their driver's license. It could be uh, 48-hour confinement in a juvenile uh, lockup facility for the weekend. Um, it could be placement of a GPS monitor. Well, so what are the causes of truancy as you see it? Well, there's a lot of factors. I mean, it could be a lack of motivation uh, on the student's part. It could be uh, uninvolved parents, because we know that a child's success or failure in school is directly related to parental involvement. The more a parent or guardian are involved, uh, we see statistically that the children have better attendance, better behavior, uh, and, and a better educational experience. On the other hand, parents who aren't involved, uh, we see behavior issues, we see attendance issues, and we see academic issues uh, as well. Um, so it, it, drug use, uh, learning disabilities, uh, lack of resources, uh, there's a number of reasons why, why kids uh, uh, don't think that school's important. There's even complaints that the school system isn't the best in the world. Uh, and, and people say, well, you're ordering kids to go to a crappy school. Well, you know, the law doesn't give me authority over a, a crappy school or a crappy teacher. Uh, I tell parents, look, you've got an elected school board. Uh, the school is yours. Uh, you pay taxes. It is your school. So I suggest you get involved at the campus level. You get involved with the school board, uh, and you do whatever you think you need to do on that part to enhance the school. Well, you talk about go. You talk about uninvolved parents. Have you thought about putting ankle bracelets on them, making them spend time well, with their kids? Yes, I have. And what I do occasionally is, more often than not, is I will order parents to go to school. Uh, to spend time with their child in school, uh, to bring me proof that they're doing that. Yes, and does I do, it, do uh, you do that? Does that work? Yeah, sure, it does. Sure, it does. Sure and the does. ACLU hasn't hasn't gone no. after you on that one, other than no, the, the Civil Liberties parents, Union. Nope, I've had I've ordered parents. Look, you're going to walk little Johnny to class. You're going to sit in in little Johnny's class for an hour, and you're going to get the teacher and the principal to sign off, and you're going to bring me that proof. If you fail to bring me the proof, you're in violation of the court order. And since you're an adult, then we'll have a contempt hearing, and I can confine you in jail for 72 hours plus issue a monetary fine if you violate the order of the court. So, but we're not talking about criminal charges here. How much leeway do you have as no, a judge to deal? No, we are criminal charges. It is, a criminal, criminal. It yes, is a, a criminal offense. offense. Okay. It is a Class C misdemeanor, punishable by a fine not to exceed $500 plus court cost for a conviction of failure to attend school uh, or parent contributing to truancy. So how so do you the, measure success? Do you have numbers that show if this is working? Yes, we measure working? success based on uh, the daily average attendance of the school. Uh, we measure success by each individual student's attendance. 
looking at their attendance prior to, looking at their attendance while they're under the court order, and their attendance following uh, their experience in court. And uh, I've been doing this for 12 years now, and I started out with a 95% non-compliance rate. 12 years later, we have about a 90 to 95% compliance rate. So we've turned it upside down. And academically, how do, how do students who come through your court perform once they're back in school? It seems that the majority of them, once they go to school uh, and they make the effort, then it looks like their grades are increasing at least one grade level. And what level are we talking? Are we talking We're talking high school? from F to D uh, to, to C's and B's and A's. And what, what, gra- from, what grades? We're talking from kindergarten up to the 12th grade. Oh, you wouldn't do this to a kindergarten kid, would you? I'd do it to a parent. The parent has to make sure that the child is on time. Um, I order them to walk the child to class. I may have them, I order them to sit in class if, if we have a behavior issue. Um, and they have to bring me proof, updated attendance reports. They may have to get a teacher to sign off on the fact that they've walked little Johnny to class every morning like I've ordered them to, and if they don't, uh, and I tell them up front, there are consequences to violating the order of the court. Okay, well, Judge Cobos, we have to leave it there, but thank you for sharing your thoughts on how to deal with this with us. <clears throat> Bullshit! Ladies and gentlemen, please rise for your Gitmo Nation National Anthem! In the morning, Gitmo Nation We are all charged up to be human resources and service in all lands and all ships at sea. From the east to west, down under to the lowlands and beyond. We are happy and distracted slaves. 